0: Thank you for the coffee, ma'am. It's not too often that you rob a place and
1: they get welcomed back. I mean, because we just robbed you. You know that he was arrested for stealing a smoothie machine, right? Two smoothie machines. Are you sure they can handle this?
0: Oh, we can handle it. We're professionals. You'll forgive us if we're ever not instilled
2: with confidence. Well, hey, everybody, just kick back and relax a little bit, man. We know our business.
3: We broke into this spooky-ass house, didn't we? I let you. What? Well, One could say that I let you let me. Look, it's okay. They can handle this.
1: Yeah, we can handle it.
3: You got their credentials?
1: He's in the system. I'm in the system? In the system? The system? Yeah, we're doomed. Do you
3: expect me to talk?
2: and welcome to episode 133 of do you expect us talk we are back at long last thank you so much everybody for bearing with us we have returned
0: i'm feeling marvelous about it
3: yes. that, but that gap there becca were you waiting for the audience to reply <laughs> like <laughs> that's all yeah. right no problem
2: everybody will be you know breathing a sigh of
0: relief oh thank god you know I, I, I can faint. I can faintly hear like chants of huzzah like, outside my window.
3: Yes, because we I- are broadcasting live to the Elizabethan court. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think all our listeners, I can count them one one hand, but anyway, to you five lovely people, thank you for waiting. Sorry for the delay, but we are now... Oh, back come on,
0: here. Becca, we've got more than that.
3: At least six. We've, got, we've, got, <laughs> we've actually got hundreds, it's just the people who talk to us regularly. <laughs> Anyway, so, in case you've
2: forgotten, I am Becca, and I'm joined by my lovely, non ant size co-host, Chris and Dave, how are you doing? I'm good, Good
3: thank you. evening, folks.
0: Yeah.
3: yeah. We are At recording on Oscar night, so actually we're really late. We probably came through this because it's getting late. <laughs> and, <we're> getting, <laughs> and It's because we've been talking about like Oscars and stuff for about the last 45 minutes. I changed
2: the subject, I was like, right, who's going to win the Oscar? And then we went through the, all the films.
3: We went through all the films, because it turns out I've pretty Seenable. much seen everything this year which is rare But um, yeah, that's yeah, have that. had a lot of
2: free time on your hands Dave Get in that cinema
3: I, I've really gone out of my way to try to see virtually everything this year, I've missed a few documentaries and bits and pieces and haven't seen all the foreign language films but even some of the minor nominees I've seen this year but yeah, so anyway talking of Oscar worthy stuff, Marvel
1: <laughs>
2: yes, at last so we are finally getting around to reviewing Ant-Man starring I'm not going to go through the list because it's quite huge, but starring Paul Starring Red, some Red. people. Starring some people, directed by some people, music by some person. Directed, directed by, by not Edgar Wright. <laughs> I'm crushed by this. But yeah, starring Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michael Pena, Judy Greer, Michael Douglas, in a very creepy face-scrubbing scene. Um, Corey Aristotle, who isn't, um, Kojak, uh, Anthony Mackie, Bobby Conner Valley. <laughs> <laughs> Literally
3: also the I was like... Who loves you, baby?
0: Kojak.
3: He's not Kojak. Who? What? Who are you talking about?
2: <laughs> the character of Darren Cross, the actor who plays him, I think he looks a
0: bit like Kojak.
3: Or Blofeld. Darren no. Cross? What, just because he's bald, he looks nothing like
0: him apart <laughs> no, from that? He looks a
2: bit like Kojak.
0: I'm sorry.
3: <laughs> they are rebooting Kojak, aren't they? sure they are. <laughs>
0: so d- 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 they already did it with Vic Reims, I'm sure. Have they? Yeah. Yeah, they did, it, they did it a while ago with Big Rames. Well, it wasn't Shaft, was it? No, no, I mean, did, it, it didn't last,
3: but... Yeah, no, no, 2005. No. Yeah, all right. I thought I heard they were doing it again.
0: It might have done I don't know. Who but... loves
2: you?
3: I might have just dreamt that. It must have just been an erotic dream or something. <laughs> like, well, they've been reading oh. The same
2: several times. <laughs> Who do
3: so. you cast as Kojak?
0: Corey Stoll, no, obviously, but... Corey oh, <laughs> 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 Stoll? I, 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 mean, no, I mean,
2: no disrespect to the actor... Well, Knowing yeah, the
3: um, fans, but I just knowing the uh, lack of sort of inventiveness of fans generally, because he was once bald, it'll be Brian Cranston. Yeah. Well, probably. there we are. Because everyone wanted him to play like Lex Luthor, because he'd been bald. in he one programme
2: And he was vaguely menacing. Yeah. So. Yeah, but yes. Bra-
0: <laughs> yeah, Bryan Cranston's right, Luthor. Luthor needs to be a bit more like you know. Not kind of <laughs> Well, yeah, no, he's... He, yeah, true. But, no, Luthor, like, if you're going to do, like, proper bold Luffy, he needs to be kind of a, a bit, bit vain. Luther? Yeah, like Lex Luthor.
3: Oh, right. I thought well, I thought you'd totally forgotten who Theo Kojak was. No. We're talking <laughs> about Lex Luthor, yes.
0: No, yeah, yeah. I, I just think, uh, Brian, if you're going to do bold Lex Luthor, he, he needs to be a bit more, like, he needs to be like a vain type guy, so he needs to be sort of... You know, Bryan Cranston's a bit too craggy for that. Yeah. But anyway.
3: What about Christopher Plumber?
0: <laughs> why not? Uh, why not? <laughs> I mean, I mean, the way Hollywood's going, I mean, Christopher Plumber's going to be like filled with work, and he's going to you know, be <laughs> <laughs> recasting everything. He'll suddenly become very busy.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I'm just waiting for him to be painted into the usual suspect, and like that,
0: it's gone. <laughs> I mean, like, what? I mean, what? Do you imagine what's going to happen if something came out about Christopher Plummer. I mean, fucking hell! What are they going to do? <laughs> it turns out he was supposed say, so, so after all yeah. these
3: years. Yeah, and then then it would have to be I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> what would you do then? You'd have to get some other older English actor to stand in for Christopher Plummer, standing in for Kevin Spacey. <laughs> <20. laughs> House of Cards might get a bit fucking packed.
2: I get a bit busy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Right. Anyway, the script is written by Edgar Wright, Joe Cornish, Adam McKay, Paul Rudd, plus others. Scored by Christoph Beck. Directed by yeah non Edgar Wright, Peyton Reed, and released in 2015. What did we think of this film, Dave?
3: Ah, uh, I think one of the things I, I was just thinking back today to a summer review Chris and I did the very first year we did it, which was about 18, well, 15 months after we started this show we did a review of 2016. And one of the things I remember saying, I haven't listened to it back, but I remember it was the year of civil war, which is the film after this. And I was saying I, I'm a lot, I'm going to be kinder to civil war next week than I was on that show. Although I was kind to it. I, I liked it, but I, I, I like it a lot more now with, with a couple of years, more hindsight. But I was saying that like, as good as Mar- the Marvel universe is, and as great as an achievement of world-building it is, a sort of producer's achievement, if you like, the mediocrity of the films is kind of hiding in plain sight. Because at that point, Phase 1 had been, you know, Iron Man had been great, and then the rest of it had been, so what, until the Avengers. And then Phase 2 had had one really good year, and then the rest of it had been kind of so what. Um, And Age of Ultron wasn't great. And the first time I watched Civil War, I found it a bit overstuffed. I'm not sure I feel that way about it quite as much now. And Ant-Man is like the poster boy for that. It, it's a film that I think is actually, the, hands down, the hardest one to review in the entire series. Because at least with Ant-Man and the Wasp, you can actually refer back to this one and compare and contrast. Because it's a film I don't feel a whole lot about either way. It's It's not especially great. It's not bad. Its action's fine. Its script is all right. Everyone's quite good in it. Um, Certainly the first time I watched it, I had the strongest feeling that Michael Peña's little sort of ticks aside that were funny the first time, Michael Douglas was by far the best thing in it.
1: Oh, sure.
3: Um, I still feel that way, actually. But it was something that radiated a lot more on the big screen. You know, you're reminded Michael Douglas is is a film star it really shows up on the big screen that like he's magnetic in this, less so when you watch it at home.
0: Especially when you see the digified younger self and like of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I'm back in the mid-90s. Yeah,
3: because I think we'll get, get to Street. that in a minute because I actually think that's pretty well done. A lot of people have picked holes with the de-aging effects Marvel have done and I have actually think they've been uniformly very good. I
2: think um, when they did it in, in the X-Men film where they de-aged Patrick Stewart. That was and, terrible. Um, McKenna, that was a bit creepy, but this one has been done very well. There was a I few, think it, in fact the weakest... Showing.
3: The weakest but I've seen so really far well. The weakest one I've seen so far Is actually one of the newest ones In the um, And I don't think it was that it's bad I think it's that I knew the actors so well From the period and they've not Quite got it bang on no. I didn't think Michelle Pfeiffer In *Outman of and the Wasp looked quite right De-aged They've tried to cap- capture her from a married to the mob era Which is around the same time As things like the fabulous Baker Boys uh, Which is a great film by the way and but yeah this this film besides that uh Mike we'll get onto the de-aging stuff in a minute everyone's really good in it and and I like it and it's fine and when I say mediocre I I grew up misunderstanding what that word meant for years mediocre was a term that I always thought meant pretty shit really um and it doesn't it just means it's, it's kind of middling and I think this is a very middling Marvel film. It's entertaining in the time I spent with it. I thought it's a nice palate cleanser after Age of Ultron was, which was a massively overblown load of all bollocks. So I like that these films turn up now and again. I like the fact that Marvel can still relatively focus on smaller, slightly quirkier film. It's still mass-produced product, but it's a little cheaper. It's a little smaller in scope. It's not about saving the world. Uh, it's it's a little bit more comedic Even though Marvel do generally uh, Go for quite a comedic tone anyway But more so This, this gives the lie to Marvel Are full of comedy Because actually this is a comedy And it shows you most of Marvel's output Isn't in quite the same way mm. But We'll have to see as we go through it Because I like it And that's kind of all there is to it really It's not a standout Marvel film It's not a bad Marvel film though and I think I'll leave it there for the minute.
0: Like bang in the middle of the rankings kind of film.
3: Um, I think they've done more quality ones than low quality ones. So it'll actually f- probably fall below halfway. But spiritually, if you like, yeah, somewhere in the middle. Becca?
2: Um, I quite enjoyed this film. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was OK. Um, I was thinking, having... I went to go and see Ant-Man 2 at the cinema. Um, this sound not really stupid, but having seen that one now it makes more sense <laughs> uh, for this first film. Um, yeah, I think in terms of when it comes to the ranking, I think it will kind of be fairly high, like, to the middle middle of the table. Um, but I quite enjoyed it. I, I, the, comedic, the comedic aspects really appealed to me. Um, I'm a big fan of Edgar Wright, um, Joe Cornish, all that. Great watching Adam and Joe. Love all the Cornetto stuff. Um, big fan of those two. And also Adam McKay and Paul Rudd, who I'm pretty sure must be Dorian Gray, because he doesn't look, he doesn't age at all. He never gets any older.
3: Paul Um, Rudd is actually, I mean, I'm sure there's hair dye and all that involved, but even allowing for the the corrective things they might do to look a bit younger, Mm. it's freaky. He looks exactly the same as he did in Friends. He
2: literally hasn't
1: changed um, at
3: all. And there are adverts of of him, like I think, was it a Pepsi advert or something? And he did one in the mid 90s The funny thing is, he's in quite a famous American advert from the mid nineties or something, and it looks really odd because he's being quite cheesy in it. Whereas like Paul Rudd is generally a bit sardonic and take the piss out of stuff. Yeah. So watching him being genuinely gleeful at something looks looks funny. a bit cheesy. <laughs> um, but I mean, Paul Rudd is going to turn fifty this year. In a couple no. Of- yeah, yeah, he was born in nineteen sixty nine. Jesus, fairly early in sixty nine. I think maybe around spring he's going to turn no. fifty. Um, he doesn't really age. Somewhere I'm sure if it. you put there's photos withering away. I'm sure if you put photos of him next to each other, he's he's aging subtly. But, yeah, but no, definitely. It's really no, he has,
2: he's got really good genes. Um, he looks good in whatever he does, and he's just amazing. And I secretly fancy him, but don't tell anybody. Um, of course. No, don't worry about that. <laughs>
3: what, what do you mean? Whoops! There's only three of us here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, he's he's really good. He, he really plays up all the laughs. Um, and yeah, no, he's he's kind of like not your typical hero. But then Ant Man probably isn't your typical hero. I would say like that, yeah. that role.
3: Yeah, I mean, um, you say you fancy him, Becca, but for large portions of this film, is Willy's tiny.
2: Uh, well, then the <laughs> breaks, but then in the sequel, it's quite big. So you know,
3: <laughs> he's not going to satisfy anything with anyone with that thing.
2: Anyone with that size, no. Definitely. No, I think it's all good um, it, it, You know, whips whips along Pace is quite fine um, But yeah, Michael is definitely he is. Well, you say star. that Dave,
0: but you get to Civil War <laughs> Wow <laughs>
1: That's a whole other yeah. kettle of fish Yeah He, he anyway, can't cool.
3: buildings with that
1: thing
2: He <laughs> can, can literally What was it? Um, jump buildings with a, with a single bound <laughs>
0: he can knock uh-huh. him da- he, 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 he can knock he can knock him did. down just by turning him around
3: <laughs> Chris is getting surprised He's flustered for oh. Edge He I <laughs> touched a nerve <laughs>
2: okay. um, but no I, I really enjoyed this um, it, was, it was a bit cheesy for me in parts but um, yeah really good the action's really good um, I can't wait to get to the sequel because um, the big chase sequence which I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed um, and was done really well um, but as yeah, I would agree with you, Dave. The um yeah, the star of this vehicle is Michael Douglas. Um and yeah, watching watching him in this film, he, he kind of reminded of like falling down of um obviously Gordon Gecko, uh, Wall Street, sort of classic roles that he's played and just he is, an, he is entirely magnetic. Um and you know, he's he is Hank Pink basically. And it's quite funny when he drives up to the you know the sort of the um main gate and he's like, Yes, I'm still alive, and that's kind of like you know, reaffirming his presence in the film world as well. Because he kind of he goes in and out. Obviously where he's looking after his family and you know coming out of retirement occasionally, he's just but, no, he's still as well. Yeah, exactly. And he had
3: but... stage four. He had staged four head yeah. and neck cancer.
2: Exactly. So it's it's quite serious and you know, he's kind of bouncing back and, and trying to get himself
3: you know back back in the world. And... <laughs> bouncing back. Alan Partridge starts on T V <laughs> tomorrow, so that's all I can do. People bounce back, Lynn.
2: To be fair, this is... Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I did have that on the brain. <laughs> I'll bounce back!
3: Yeah, I'll replicate the cover stance for you, that's what it says when he gets to the... <laughs>
2: oh, that series is going to be so good for... Oh, I can't wait. I'm just going to be cringing my way through, but it'll be so funny. And there's some issue with his age as well. Like, he's meant to be 60-something.
3: Oh, uh, they're going to have to start doing a shifting timeline. They're going aren't they, the... somehow? Yeah.
2: He can't be... Because, like, he's only... Coogan's only, what, fi- early 50s?
3: He was born in 65.
2: Oh see if have a drink um but yeah apparently so partridge is meant to be in his 60s i'm like no that can't be right <laughs> but anyway well he, I, he
3: always said that he was meant to be about 10 years older than him yeah but obviously they're gonna have to start shifting that in a minute because time's sort of racing away and the character's not aging at the same speed no
2: exactly so and now they're gonna have to do away with all the all the makeup so anyway, in a nutshell i enjoyed ant man chris
0: uh yeah um i yeah, I actually really enjoyed this. Uh, I remember joining it at the time as well, so I, I think I know what Dave means when he says it's kind of middling or or, or kind of average. We're not being
3: nasty to it. though, I know, and not?
0: I, yeah, I know. I'm not. That's you know, I think I can kind of understand that, but um, I think what I actually got from it is a very much more smaller scale, isn't it? It's very much, and I think actually the main takeaway I had from viewing tonight was. It it kind of remind me of how well Marvel has transcended. Like, each... not every, Even though it has a, a formula, not every film is the same. And this film, I think, especially after Age of Ultron, this film, like, okay, well, this is kind of a stripped back, a bit more comedic in tone, and you know what? We're not going to do a big superhero film. It's going to be like a, a heist film. I think that was going to be its premise when Edgar Wright was going to do it. And... Um, and, I, and and I think yeah it, you're right there. It is a palate cleanser, and it does. And, it, and I remember at the time it was kind of a bit worried that this might be a big fail, especially after Age of Ultron. I think shit, are Marvel gonna drop the ball with this one though? Like, are they really? You know, is this gonna be this, this, the beginning of the decline? And it, and it, surprisingly, Ant Man actually kind of you know revitalized. You know, it kind of like it didn't drop the ball. It kind of catched it and kept going. Then we got on to Civil War, which kind of. Was probably one of, the, one of the best Marvel films there, anyway. But um, so yeah, I, I, I generally really like it. The performances across the board are pretty good. Um, but it's a very likable. It's a very easy watching film as well. I think that, that that's probably its its biggest uh, asset. is the fact that you can just throw it on, you know, very casually, and it, it's it's never boring. But it doesn't um, bombard you with anything too much. It's just a nice, easy going film, um, and it has subtle. Things in it that I, that I really liked, particularly uh, like, particularly with the characterisation, like particularly with the the stepdad character, who is typically the like he's typically always like an arsehole in, in films, generally speaking. But I, what I really liked it was that he was actually he was actually quite a good guy at the end. It was it's actually you know yeah you on to him, don't you? Well, yeah, well, you, well, he was always a good guy, and you could actually understand his position where he's coming from. But you know, but you could easily kind of like you know at the beginning see like oh is he being a bit of a dick or you know is you know do you know what i mean but at the end you actually you know what it's actually really nice when you all sat together as like get uh, all getting together as one family i, I kind of really like that aspect as well so yeah i i, I generally really liked it yeah
3: that, got, that actually got, got me in quite a nice way because, you know, without getting too heavy about yeah. it, I was in a similar scenario as a kid and it wasn't fucking like that. At yeah, time. I was one of those situations where my father had to pass presents at Christmas over the fucking door and stuff like that. Uh, it was rather pathetic early on. It got better as I got older, mm. but, but early on everyone was really fucking childish about it. So to so actually see parents and step-parents behaving like grown-ups is really nice.
0: Yeah it's, yeah, it's nice um, to like, have that set as a standard. Like, come on, we, you know, it's it's good to have that kind of support and that kind of like, come on, let's yeah, just say let's be adults and let's try and see the potential good in everyone, you know, rather than trying to cut everyone down all the time.
3: Yeah, yeah, and uh, the other thing as well is they don't go too far with it the other way. In that, he, he's not a soft touch. This stepfather. For yeah. most of the film, he doesn't particularly like Scott Lang. Uh, but it's all for reasons, or for good reasons. Yeah, the right reasons. or uh, uh, for the right reasons. And actually, as soon as Scott does the right things in life, he's totally on board with him.
0: Yeah. And that and that helps, you know, the, char- the character Scott Lang as well, for you as well, it, it, you know, for the viewers. It, it helps his journey to become a better person. Uh,
3: well, I suppose what you've got there is the plot sort of almost objection handling itself. Yeah. So... You know, there will be members of the audience—not that many, I wouldn't imagine—but there might be a few watching it and going, "I'm supposed to support him? He's a petty fucking criminal." Yeah. And actually, all of that is voiced uh, by the the Paxton character.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. You, you do have like the, the genuine love of his daughter, though. Like you know, he, like he gets his daughter more than anyone. Uh, that that does that. That's a nice window to help you through it. Plus, also. Poor is just a likeable presence, so that'll get you through
2: it. Yeah, his, his face is just likeable, generally. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. Pity about it's I, I think more, that's really it? cute.
2: That's really cute with, like, um, you know, when he, get, he, he buys that really gross toy for his daughter, and he's yeah. like, oh, it's so ugly, I love it. And whereas a stepdad figure is sort of like, what? You know.
3: And it's always so. a risk when you give significant, or it's a risk for me, anyway, when you give significant screen time to a child. And she's, she's good. She's likeable. I like that kid. Yeah,
2: she's a good little girl, isn't she? She's really good.
3: Yeah. Um, Judy Greer just in general appears in a lot of things not enough she's a name actress we know her from lots and lots of yeah different she needs things. to be in more
2: things she's in um, um, and Archer she,
3: she, she, <laughs> except, well I mean she was she, she was mo-capped in the Battle of the Planet of the Eighth films she as well pretty- she was Caesar's wife uh, and I don't mean Rocky Junior. From, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh-huh. she turns up in a lot of things. Almost not enough. I'm, I'm not suggesting she should have had a bigger role in this, but I always feel she's a bit wasted when she turns up for two minutes here. and there. Yeah, she's but, a really good
2: actress, and yeah, she yeah. needs to be in more stuff. She is. So, casting directors, higher degree in movie films, please. Thank I you. Mean, yeah, she was yeah.
0: in um, Jurassic World the same year as well. You know, oh, she as, was, yeah, as was show, yes. as as mom. I'm sure this film will be soon. <laughs>
3: That's what? Sorry, kids?
0: she was playing a mum there as well. So it's kind of like, oh, just that Judy Game, Judy Graham and all the all these big films playing mum <laughs> in the mum role. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, she's basically
2: mum, isn't she?
3: Yeah, yeah, she was in the she, she was in the Halloween re- uh, well remake sequel. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, she was mum. Um, yeah,
2: mum
3: again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and she was in uh, the Carrie remake as well. Looking looking back as well. As so mum? A bit, no, she wasn't mum in that. She was the.
2: No, I didn't see that one it. Oh no it was um In fact
3: I'll... she played the same character yeah, was... who was played in the original by the actress that is Wendell Crumb's uh, therapist in Split. Oh. Yeah.
2: That's a fun fact for you folks. There you go. Film connections that you would not otherwise otherwise have guessed.
3: Yeah, I kept saying, I watched Split and I kept thinking, I recognise that woman, but uh, I, do, I need awesome. to de age her because she's a lot older. -hmm. And 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 playing as a very different generation as well, and I went and looked at the name, and it was like the it was the teacher that kind of got on with Carrie in Carrie, in the seventy six version. But yeah, so uh, yeah, I mean, so in general, we're all pretty positive about this.
0: Yeah, it's it's a very nice, easygoing film. Um, I do 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 only regret as well. I think also it's a shame because I think uh, you know um, uh, Kojak is pretty you know. He, he he does he does a good i think he does a good performance as a villain and i think there's potential to have a good villain there i just don't think the film gives him enough to really develop that to make it really stick
3: what was the guy who played i could look this up but i can't be asked can you remember <laughs> the actor who both played the boomerang guy in uh, suicide squad and was also Kyle Reese in Terminator Genesis
0: the boomerang
3: guy. I, yeah, I can't remember the name of the I fucking I can't without guy. looking up on my friend. Hang on a minute. Let me look up Terminator Genesis.
0: IBDB.com. Make sure you spell it correctly. Oh, oh, it oh correctly. crap. Yeah, um, yeah, oh, yeah Kai, uh, Kai Jai Courtney. Or... Jai Courtney. Yeah. That's
3: it. Corey Stoll's got a similar quality and a similar almost filmography in that he appears in a lot of B level shit. Um, Jai Courtney's the same. Uh, uh, Jai Courtney's been sort of a bit wasted by his career in that he appears in a lot of stuff, and as soon as you see him, you go, This probably won't be that good. Mm, yeah, um, bizarrely, he turns up an Elita in like a shot. That's it.
2: Yeah, it's you. He's uh, and I, was like, I thought, really? Oh, we'll
3: see him again in a minute, and we didn't. No,
2: thinking you um, missed him.
3: But he's a little bit like that, Corey Stolt, in that like this pins this as sort of a B level marvel film because it's got a very b-level actor in a b-level role
0: yeah
3: i mean he's been good in some stuff he was in the first season or so of um house of cards and he was great in that he really was a complete fucking mess in it um and I've, I've seen him in some other stuff as well I'm, I'm looking to see what i've seen him in
2: of course so. uh, he's a good actor though oh, he, and was and buzz and aldrin. Evidence...
3: he was buzz aldrin in first man
2: yeah, there we are. And like doing this role here, you know, he's really, you, you, you know, you would love, love to hate him really.
3: So. Well, I mean, First Man is in a list of film, but looking back, he was in stuff like, I'm being picky here in that I'm picking on the shit, but he was in the Liam Neeson film non-stop. Oh. Uh, he was in the Bourne Legacy and, and he's it's, got to live, hasn't he? He's got to make Corey a living. Sto- yeah, but Corey Stoll. If 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 you had to say he was in a Bourne film, you'd go, well, he was in the crap one, wasn't he? <laughs> <And> <laughs> he was in the one they had enough the That's just how his career is, you know. Yeah. Mm. Um, but he's fine. He's all right.
0: Yeah, I, I just, I, I think he did really good. I just don't, I just don't think he gave him enough, particularly because there's, there's a bit where like when he makes that, he kills that guy with like this little mush gun. Yeah, well, uh, in the bath, in the bathroom. Yeah, and he kind of just yeah. like flushes down top. and and then and then it kind of it, he kind of looks in the mirror at himself, and there, and there's, and and it kind of cuts away to the next scene. And he just thought that was like a little moment where he just like we could have just looked himself and thought, oh, that was quite easy, just casually killing someone that could have been like just a few but seconds. The film was
3: gone, plot everyone and moved on. Yeah, you
0: know, just like, just a bit of extra character. You know, kind of he almost had that look of just to say, oh, I've just killed someone. That was kind of easy. You know, I mean, that that would have, like, would have, you know, a few little things here and there would have helped, but.
3: Well, I think the one thing we do have to say, and Becca hinted at it at the start of the film before we go sort of scene to scene, is this film had a bit of a troubled production yeah. in that this was an Edgar Wright product for years. Um, he'd been working on it. I, I mean, I'm looking back now, I seem to remember yeah i was hearing rumors of ant-man before the marvel cinematic universe was a thing Mm -hmm. now it was a thing in that all the planning was underway and probably iron man was being written and the incredible hulk and everything but i seem to remember just before hot fuzz came out in fact in all the fuss around hot fuzz and now i'm looking it was 2006 he was hired with joe cornish to start developing this film and it had been underway for years. I remember he turned up at Comic Con in the early 2010s—I so don't know, eleven, something like that. I'm trying not to look all these things up. Um, he turned up with some test—a test reel, some test footage of, you know, Ant Man changing sizes and like a little action sequence. And this went on for years. And in fact, I think they only left the pro- the project about a year before it was released. Mm. So they were very, very deep into this when Marvel and Wright got the old creative differences. And I think it is the, you know, it was almost like a flashback to the bad old days. And again, I'm not putting the blame on Marvel here. But phase one, it it, it always came off as our way or the highway. So some fairly important people in film had left. I mean, Norton lasted a film. Terence Howard lasted a film. Jon Favreau kind of stopped doing anything creative with the, even though he still acts for them, very early on, uh, because Marvel were, you know, sort of saying, do it our way. And then, as time went on, I don't know if it was they hired directors who were and writers who were a better fit for them, or whether those people signed on knowing more of how it worked so a lot of this sort of stopped happening i think thor the dark world funnily enough was meant to be patty jenkins at one point
1: yeah uh, huh. uh,
3: so that that was one so but there was less of it there was less of this uh people leaving and because of problems Plus he so had the
0: uh, Josh sweden as well after uh, age of ultron that that
3: yeah but of course even though in the timeline um age of Ultron is the film before this mm. I'm talking about when right left the project yeah, and that was before we knew all the problems Joss Whedon was having what I think I'm trying to say is Thor the Dark World had only just come out and apart from that it was like a flashback to phase one that all of a sudden they're having these creative differences mm. and I do think so they got in um Peyton Reed now, if I look up Peyton Reed, the first film that occurred to me when they said Peyton Reed's going to do it, the first film I could think of was Down With Love, which was a film with Ewan McGregor and René Zellweger. And I remember it. It's
2: meant to be in the style of those, um, yeah. old, like, um, Doris Day. Um,
3: it's, yeah, it's very like a Rock Hudson Doris Day. Rock Hudson,
2: yeah, sort of 50s yeah. frothy comedy. It, it
3: and the other thing that stuck out about it for me is Frasier was still in production at that time and David Hyde Pierce is in it, Niles. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I remember seeing this film thinking it might be, like, a real feel-good thing. I went I went expecting to, like, enjoy Downward Love and I thought it was dreadful. I don't remember much about it now, so I can't tell you why it was dreadful. But I, I just remember not liking it at the time. And then I, then I, so I thought, well, what else has he done? Because at the point this was announced, that was like eleven years before. So I start looking, and he did the breakup, which is a Jennifer Aniston, Vince Vaughn film, and it isn't good. There's a couple of funny bits in it, but it isn't good.
2: I think that was really near the tail end of Vince Vaughn's career. Well, not tail end of the career, but well, the still film.
3: working now. But I, I know yeah. it was, it was, du- it was the tail end of him being uh, fairly hot, yeah, cinematically, yeah. And then the next thing he did and Forget my feelings on this man Because we know I don't like Jim Carrey But Yes Man is a book I read uh, Before the film It was based on the uh, book by Danny Wallace mm. uh, uh, And it's The book's really funny This guy just says fucking yes to everything for a year It's great uh, I can't, can't really remember it now But I remember really liking it It was made into a really not good film And that's not Jim Carrey You could replace Jim Carrey with any actor And it still would have been a terrible film so while I was really, really nervous. I thought, how is Peyton Reed going to line up with this quirky individual style Edgar Wright has? Because you can spot an Edgar Wright film a mile away. Exactly. Um, and actually, there's a lot in the. Fo- I was more worried actually thinking about it for the sequel because there's still some DNA of Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish in this. Yeah. And all the um, the Michael Pena stuff has to be Edgar Wright. It but yeah, it's all it over is. it really. Um, you know that's sort of. Well, we'll get on to what we mean by that for anyone listening who hasn't sort of seen the film in a minute. But um, I, I think what we're getting at is, I suppose it was always going to be a bit disjointed in places and, and ideas left hanging. And I do think Corey Stoll actually gets the worst of it, doesn't he? Yeah,
0: I think I think I think we kind of just sort of maybe neutered it a little bit, just made it float. I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe like. I think Edgar Wright is very much um, Edgar Wright. I think if you try and like just sort of like try and do Edgar Wright, you just come across as like just imitating him. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So they probably sort of like just just shaved down the edges and made it sort of bit. You know, I want to say generic. they have
3: pretty well though.
0: Yeah, I want to say generic, but generic sounds more like a, a knock on it. Um, but do you know what I mean? It's just sort of like okay, that's just, just just like just. Just give it a little flavour. You can kind of tell it's like you know a, a toned down Eggerite, you know. Um, but I, I do wonder what it would be like, whether how different it would actually be, really, um, to be honest. Because you know, Eggerite do, done under Marvel, maybe he would have toned down, toned his voice down. To, well, so. he
3: set the he set the visual style because mm. the action sequences were all based on his tests. Yeah. And the Michael Pena character. I I can't speak for the comic books, but that character feels like an Edgar Wright character. And it could almost turn up in any Edgar Wright film. All right, I can't imagine him turning up in hot fuzz, because why would he live in Wells? Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? In Sanford. But um, it feels very Edgar Wright, this film, still. But when you hit on that point about, well, that Corey Stoll thing just suddenly cuts there, and I'm thinking, well, yeah, Adam McKay comes in and writes. But then Edgar... I I was watching uh, we were talking just before we came on air about um, Vice. In fact we were talking about all the Oscar nominees, but we were talking about Vice and the Big Short. Uh, uh, Becca, you haven't seen either, have you, Chris? You've seen the big short. Uh, Yeah, I've seen The
2: Big Short, I haven't seen Vice yet though.
3: Oh right, so you're both in the same position. You've seen The Big Short, but you haven't seen Vice. Yeah,
2: I I suddenly had to search my memory. I thought, oh no, I have seen the Big Short. (laughs) When
3: I drove home from watching Vice, I was thinking, This reminds me of another director. Who's it reminding me of? And it occurred to me that if it's Martin Scorsese with a completely different sensibility, because Martin Scorsese makes like a lot of crime-based films and things like that, and they're a bit more serious. But that little cutaway style and sudden talking to camera and uh, things pausing, uh, you know, pictures pausing while you get a bit of narration, and then it suddenly cut into something else is very, very Martin Scorsese. And funnily enough, that style and that that sort of very sort of pop up and switching to something else and then cutting away fits quite well with Edgar Wright even though it doesn't look the same
2: yeah it does feel a lot like that doesn't it you can kind of see
3: the
2: can't really see the joints if you know what I mean but you kind of see where like one takes over and and the other you know one stops and the other takes over it is a little bit like that you can see the various influences of Wright and McKay like throughout various aspects that's not a bad thing um, and yeah, you can't kind of see the joints, but you can kind of see if you know what you're looking for.
3: Yeah, I'm not quite sure where, but I mean, there's bits that I know. I, th- I think there's bits in the film that I think are Edgar Wright, and in fact, I'd bet money it's Edgar Wright. But then I'm reminded of things like Justice League, where there's scenes in that that I go, that's definitely Joss Whedon, and it actually turned out to be Zack Snyder. So the scene in Justice League where um, Aquaman gets the lasso round caught round his leg... <laughs> that very comedic scene where he starts yeah. like, almost hitting on Wonder Woman and saying he doesn't want to die and stuff, that feels like a Joss Whedon sequence and it isn't apparently it's Zack Snyder, so I'm I'm very mm. careful to not to say this oh, sure. is definitely, and I might be wrong, what I'm less sure is the bits that definitely aren't him if you know what I mean, there aren't bits mm. in the film that I go, well that, that probably is the new people, I don't know
0: I mean, my general feeling is, I reckon the, the film as is, like is pretty much what here uh, Edgar Wright and um, Joe Cornish wrote. I think the rewrite mm. is just very much like an edited version of it. Like I don't think there might, there might have been things left or altered to a degree, but I think generally speaking, this is kind of like the story they would have they would have given us. So I don't think that there's too much. I think it just would have been like direct director touches. Really, that that they would, didn't
3: have a lot of time, did they?
0: Yeah. So uh, we, what
3: we don't know yet, and I, one day there's books to be written on all this stuff. Is I, see, Edgar Wright. I think he posted someone on Twitter that was a picture of him when he was younger, and it. I think the hint was, you know, back when filmmaking was fun. I think he was hurt by what happened, but he never slagged off Marvel Marvel at all.
2: No, it was great again wasn't it but. well
3: we we know with with ed terence howard for example Terence howard has, has had things to say they might be inaccurate but he's had his say and so as ed norton with, with this we don't actually know what happened we don't know what they fell out over uh, we don't know if it was a combination of things or we just we don't know we still don't know and i would love to know one day in some respects it's none of our business because the end result is our business, not necessarily the process. I,
0: I think, I think ultimately, I think it is just purely down to the fact that because of Marvel is a franchise and and is set to a thing now. I think Edgar Wright is very specific about his vision, and I think there was just ultimately they just couldn't. I don't think he could have honestly want, wanted to do. He, he would, he would have had to compromise too much. I think. I think that was, that's ultimately what—that's my general feeling. That's that's my gut instinct telling me that I think that's what happened, and I, that's probably yeah. why there's no real like animosity uh, towards anyone. I think it was just like, oh well, that's just the the cars that was dealt at the time.
3: It it annoyed me at the time only in the as long-term Bond fans, I think we understand it needs a strong director relative, a uh, producer yeah. relative to director, yeah, definitely, and actually. DC have almost tied themselves in knots trying to hand Visions over to other people and it not quite working out. But bear in mind, by this point, 2014 was starting to look like a false dawn. The Avengers had been one man who couldn't repeat it two years, three years later. And 2014 had been Marvel's one really, really good year. And the rest of it had all kind of been in this soup of it's all right what what they're doing as a as a studio is immense and amazing and the tone is so consistent and i'm mightily impressed by all of this but the constituent parts tend to be just all right um it and it kind of i found it sad that there wasn't room for like an edgar wright in this universe Mm. but actually since then, we've actually had, you know, like the Russos and stuff like that continuing to do solid work. And I think having their say, and Ryan Kugler is is staying in that universe when that man could do anything he wanted, really. So he must be satisfied that he gets enough say. So I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's like you look at a film like, you know, Baby Driver, and you think, I can't imagine someone like Edgar Wright be wanting to be. He sounds like very much like. I I I need to do it my way. Uh, but it's not
3: only that. It's all it, it. It's not even just about say. It. It's as much that the man who made Baby Driver would he even would he have any passion for anything other than the ideas he had?
0: Well, exactly. I, um, I, I think. I think. And I think, think Ant Man
3: was almost a coincidence. He yeah. liked the character, and it happened. Marvel were interested in creating it.
0: Yeah, I think. Um, I think that was exactly it. I think if. Uh, he, I think he, let's just say he did it I don't think he would have generally loved it I think that's probably why he backed away like he just thought you know what yeah. I, I don't, course, I don't, the, I don't the Marvel feel it would have been truly mine you know what I mean So, uh, yeah.
3: the Marvel he signed on to was very different than the Marvel yeah. that he left as well because yeah. there wasn't a universe then suddenly by 2014 there's uh, there's thoughts of trying to keep tone consistent and things like that mm-hmm. Whereas in 2006, it might well have... You know, Shaun of the Dead had been great and Hot Fuzz is about to come out and there's some heat under this guy who's still in his early 30s. He would have felt like a get for Marvel Studio in 2006 in a way that probably he wouldn't be so much after they've had the Avengers and everything else. Probably. But with that, shall we discuss this film sequentially? Let's do that. Let's
2: crack open that safe, steal that suit, and away we go.
3: Yeah, so we start in 1989, which I, I just like the visual of um,
2: of seeing, seeing that, the, the, the Tresilian. Yeah, it, it, yeah the, quite it's quite interesting built. to see that,
3: isn't it? I think. Well, bear in mind we're only about twelve months on from Winter Soldier at this point.
2: I'd like to see an eighties Avengers style movie. The de Michael Douglas.
3: Yeah, you could get a, you could get Sylvester Stallone in his sort of peak Buffon years sort of, as <laughs> well.
2: Get Bruce Ian, you know, get him to do it the old, well, basically the expendables
3: yeah
2: but i, I wonder
3: when you get different actors playing the same character but different eras i wonder at what point in the timeline they would swap them over
1: because
3: oh, because you've got uh howard stark here but it's it's older howard stark it's um mm. what's the actor it's called?
2: John Slattery not Tony Slattery
3: not Tony Slattery, not party. <laughs> John well, Slattery. and I, I... I just thought, how far back would you have to go yeah, before they called the, him Dominic Cooper? Yeah, you have Cooper? to
0: remember this is probably close, to, like nearer the event of his death.
3: About twelve years from his death. Uh, hang on, no, nineteen eighty nine. So about two or three years from his death. Yeah. So... And of course, he was played by Howard Stark. He did play Howard Stark in the sixties, didn't he? In the Expo films.
0: Oh yes, he did. In Iron
3: Man too. But yeah, I think how far back before that would you have to go before you go get Dominic Cooper to do that then?
0: I don't know
3: well, yeah exactly <laughs> but we've got a we've got uh, John Slattery there so Howard Stark another guy we're going to see later whose name escapes me uh, and we've got to, to, to uh, be a bad and...
0: guy that is that won't be referenced again, again yeah. in a bit maybe maybe in... maybe in the third Ant-Man film maybe
3: well I thought we saw him a bit later on as an older guy he is there
0: yeah no, no but in terms of like for after this film we don't oh I see of, what yeah. you mean
3: yeah and we've got Haley Atwell, The Middle Age Years. Still would. Still would. 1989, 40 years on from... Yeah, she's supposed to be in her 60s. Year. Yeah, go on. Well, yeah, why not? At least I could... <laughs> well, yeah, go on then. <laughs> <laughs> if you insist. Um...
0: It'll be rude not to.
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, Michael Douglas walks in looking like Michael Douglas from 1989.
0: Yeah also then felt like it was a disclosure or something like that. <laughs> yeah
2: it's a little bit of that era isn't it? I mean
3: 1989 that's about 2 or 3 years after Fatal Attraction.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Something like that. i am going to look at what came up because they will have they will have based it on
2: Yeah I think what, a what film they did for that they, yeah they looked around all
3: their references the they did of that era that. and
2: thought right, okay we'll, we'll, we'll match it to that. We'll so. Look
3: at his filmography. Cuz Fatal Attraction springs to mind. I can't remember what, if that was 87 or 88. But I'm just It'll trying to
2: films of that time.
3: 1989. 1989 is um, uh, Black Rain and War of the Roses.
2: Oh, the roses! That was a good film.
3: I think he had short hair in that as well. So I bet they even they bet they even used that as the reference War of the Roses. Okay, it's a couple of years surprised. after Wall Street, Fatal Attraction. So they're basing it on peak Michael Douglas in terms of like box office popularity, because mm. he was massive in the late 80s. Yeah, he was
2: really popular. He was and and always everything.
3: playing quite sleazy guys. I think it was uh,
2: a bit, um, typecast by Gordon Gecko by uh, Wall Street, playing quite like, yeah. quite slimy, quite sleazy guys.
3: Wall Street's a good film, though. Really good um, film.
2: Sequel, not as so much.
3: Yeah, That that, that micro that nano when Shia LaBeouf was putting everything.
2: Yeah, it mm-hmm. looks
3: really funny now when you look back. You go, what what, what happened there? Well, yeah. What was that
2: all about? <laughs>
3: uh, he's gone in furious because they are trying to replicate his technology, aren't they? His yeah. Ant Man technology. Uh, and he finds it, he thinks it's dangerous. So, it, strange kind of thing to this, that, like, we get a lot of this in modern, almost modern politics and foreign affairs, that, like, I can have the technology, but no one else. Yeah. It's like, well, it's dangerous, but it it's safe for me to use.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think
3: it's, yeah.
0: it's, it, 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 it's an interesting thing because, like, let, let's just say if you did, Let's just say you you create something like like that. You think, okay, well, in the wrong hands, I don't trust it, or the, or I need to figure it out to it to be safe, and I'm not yeah. willing to give it out. You know, so it is an interesting thing. Yes, you you are right, but at the same time, it's like, you know, it's it's being responsible for the thing you've created. You know, it's like ultimately.
3: I suppose he did lose his wife to it, as we're going to find yeah. out later in the film as well. So I think he's past his peak of using this stuff. Okay, so he he basically punches that other guy, storms out and he's resigned. That's that's yeah. the end of that and we cut to the present day. Yeah, we used to get, um, we,
0: get the Marvel dude where, where before it gets bastardized. And then,
3: <laughs> The the good Marvel logo. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean they're still doing the, the the fucking book thing, even though it's like a new and different one, but it's still like oh well, I I yeah. like that though. That's, yeah, I
3: still prefer that. I still wish they did. Yeah. Yeah, DC have changed their logo twice since they had a good one as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they, have, yeah. Stick, they have. They, have,
0: they had a similar thing, didn't they? With the they did.
3: Yeah, really similar. Uh, do we go cut straight to the prison?
0: Yeah, we get straight to um, Scott Lang getting punched in the face.
3: Yeah, and having a fight, and then making uh, up with Peachy. <laughs>
1: well,
0: Peachy. It, well, it's it's a prison ritual, isn't it? You get introduced to him thinking like he's in a big sort of prison fight. And it turns yeah. out no it's just a it's a closing ritual <laughs> it's
2: just basically a, a leaving present yeah. he's
3: about to be released
2: yeah
3: yeah uh and then he leaves and the next thing you see he's working at Baskin robbins <laughs> and again
1: that's, this that's is jack- another
3: this is another section that i think this might be i'm i'm not going to guess too much during this film but if i had to guess who wrote this this is adam mckay because this is um this is very like, you know how like Ron Burgundy's written as a complete fucking idiot who just gets the wrong end of the stick yeah. and stays on the wrong end of the stick. Yeah. This guy ordering everything that Baskin Robbins doesn't make plays like Ron Burgundy.
0: It different. is a little bit like Ron yeah. Burgundy, isn't
3: it? Yeah, so I think this might be Adam McKay. But, uh, yeah,
0: I, I think, you, I think uh, yeah, I think, definitely right. Even like the in the office where like the guy's just like, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. So uh, immediately, this is quite efficient actually because the film comes in just under two hours, mm. and he's actually introduced, given a job, and having the job taken away from him quite quickly. Yeah, and we're also told it's not his fault. It's basically yeah. they find out he's a con. I don't know if it's because he didn't say he was a con. Yeah,
0: I yeah, he, yeah. He had he he hit it cause he probably couldn't get a job because because so he try to hide it because so he get employed. Yeah. So on the one
3: hand, you go, well, it's his fault for lying, but then he wouldn't have got that job. Yeah, had he admitted it. No,
0: exactly. I
2: was sort of thinking, wow, how you know, because it is. Yeah. I would assume it is difficult, but it's like okay. <laughs>
3: uh, so he moves in with uh, Luis, Michael Pena.
0: Very
2: chatty, Michael Pena. Who's hilarious. He's
0: really well, good in this film. Yeah, he's he's living in with Ti and that weirdo from The Dark Knight.
1: Yeah,
3: the. Oh one yeah, it's that, that guy. Where, yeah, if if you think back, listeners, in The Dark Knight. There's a guy at uh, Jim Gordon's quote-unquote funeral that is wearing a Rachel Dawes badge and a name badge and Harvey takes him and interrogates him. It's that guy. Uh, he'd be very good if they remade like the Adams Family or something. He's got a kind of slightly ghoulish look to him at He's all times. He's got a very times.
2: distinctive look to him, hasn't he? Really? Yeah, he does.
3: He does. What's the actor called? I forget that.
2: What's the
3: uh, on the doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Oh, uh, David da- yeah, Dashman. Yeah. yeah. That's him. Yeah. Um, so he's in the sequel as well, Michael isn't he? It's quite Senior, funny. When he was introduced, I was a little bit worried about this. I thought, this guy's going to irritate the shit out of me during this film. Oh. It's, to the film's credit, he doesn't at all. I mean, he's absolutely super. No, really when good. it got to the sequel, I thought, they're going to do a stifler, aren't they? He's going to be in every scene and really irritated and they didn't. So, this guy has never annoyed me at all. Really, really overexcitable very friendly, not a very good thief or a bit of a silly thief in some ways because he's been arrested for stealing, I don't know, a coffee machine or something. <laughs> um, and when he tells stories, he gives a ton of unnecessary detail and we cut to scenes of Seven that story so happening, but they're mouthing to his voice and yeah. his speech pattern. Uh, so later in the film, you've got Anthony Mackey, but his voice, he's, he's talking... With Michael Peña's voice, effectively.
0: I, I just think it's a testament how good of actor he is, Michael Peña, because, like, you know, he, he really is diverse, because you see him in other stuff, and he's like, he's like, he's nothing like this, and yeah, he can do he,
2: drama, he can do he can do action, he can do comedy, he can do, you know, serious, he can do lots of different things. He, he's playing
0: lovable idiot at ease, it's, it's almost as if, like, he does this all the time, but he really doesn't.
3: Yeah, this is a man who's been in stuff like uh, Babel, Lions yeah. for Lambs, Lions for Lambs, yeah,
0: really
2: um, which drama. is
3: dull as shit. Lions for Lambs, by the way, it's not a very good. It's not a very good or very entertaining film, but worthy, serious stuff if you I like. I thought it was interesting actually. Uh, I, to be fair, I've not seen it for a few years. I remember because it was Meryl Streep, Tom Cruise, and Robert Redford, and I was expecting to enjoy it because it's politics as well, which I'm interested by. And I remember being quite bored. Also, by Also,
2: Andrew, what's his face, Garfield? That's the one.
3: Uh again I've not seen it in ten years. Um he was in the Martian looking here. He was in the Mule recently, which I haven't seen yet. Mm. Um but then he's gonna be in Dora the Explorer later in the year. So yes, <laughs> what a range this guy has.
2: I think Dora the Explorer, you know, obviously being a Hispanic character and you know, whats yeah. have enough. But I think this this is for this is one of those quite interesting films where you've got um Eastern European, you know, Hispanic character, um, T I. And yeah. it's like, you know, it, it doesn't okay he's the comic relief but then also you know so so is Paul Rudd's character at various points in the film they're not trying to paint anybody with, with broad brushstrokes or saying okay this is that stereotype this is that stereotype i mean they might be ex-cons but then he's not trying to put them into those into those pigeonholes he's not trying to say okay you're you know the african-american ex-con so therefore you must behave like that you're the eastern european eastern european um they yeah. feel lifted central okay. european ex-con so you must behave like that he's not trying to do that at all you know he treats everyone equally um I don't think there's kind of. I was trying to see. Was there some kind of you know stereotyping going on? Mm, Not so much.
1: Which is quite good, I think.
0: I think they feel. I think they just feel lived in. You know, they feel like well, you know, I can see those type of people. You know, they're kind of comedic. I can kind of see that type of you know that type of person that existing and doing that. You know what I
3: mean? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I I think um. I I I mean, Luis is kind of a. I suppose an archetype of a type in that he's a bit one-note, but then they don't use him that often. And actually, across the two films, he's shown to be quite loyal and have plenty of heart as well. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm quite I'm quite happy with all this. But yeah, we get this early sign that he's he's slightly hyperactive. Let's put it that way. At the same time, um, you meet Hope Van Dyne, who we find out very quickly is Hank Pym's daughter, and he's she's working with Darren Cross who apparently is just like Kojak.
2: He's <laughs> not just like Kojak. I just thought, <laughs> better, you know, a passing resemblance to Teddy Sawafner. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay, fair
3: enough. Okay, I don't see it, but okay. No, um, I, I, I literally I don't see it now. I actually, think because I happen to watch... Um... I was closer with Jai Courtney as a screen presence.
0: Oh, that's true, yeah, definitely.
2: Is
3: this Is where Courtney. we're
0: going to find out where, where Corey Stoll is going to get cast as Blofeld, in new Bond film? Well,
2: this is it, because I, I happen to be watching <laughs> Majesty, so I think I've got it on the brain. So, but no, yeah. I, you know, it's just, I think, I, it's just I a think joke. It, I it, really it, just, think it wouldn't surprise, it
3: wouldn't just surprise me. <laughs> yeah, but is a Bond film ever going to happen?
2: When, Shatter, when Shatterhand comes out, it'll be like, Crystal Stolt has Dr. Gunther from Shatterhand uh, in his garden of death.
0: You, you, you know what it's going to be like, and I can imagine this happening if it is called Shatterhand, I reckon they're going to be like, but no, actually no, Blofeld's not, not in this one, trust us. You know, oh. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, for fuck's sake. To
3: be honest, it's not going to be called Shatterhand because... They don't have those. They don't tend to go with working titles that are used during no, pre-production. Yeah, it's only the working
0: title, and it's
2: been mentioned, you know, a couple of years previously as well. So I, I think I'd be very I, as speck a fan.
3: To, I would do that
2: story. Yeah, literally, spoke um, for two. Operation Miami
3: Beach. All sequels should be called <laughs>
2: that. <laughs> Operation Miami Beach.
3: Um,
2: Operation Garden of Gardenia. I as, as a fan, wish. I would love for them to make that story, but I just don't. As a fan, I world. just
3: want them to make a fucking film. <laughs> yeah,
1: definitely. In oh, your
3: own time, lads. On the,
1: the side,
0: though, if I could just sort of like depress everyone, I have a funny feeling after this one, we're gonna have a long break. I think. I, yeah, it'll
2: be another six years,
0: won't it? Yeah, I, I, I see it. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be a while after the new one. But anyway, I can see it. I saw a
2: very yeah. one the of next the... James
3: Bond is currently like thirty. Yeah, <laughs>
2: isn't it? not. not born yet so not appearing in this film child not appearing in this film yeah on one of the the various JBR threads that I'm a member of somebody posted a really interesting graphic of um, the the frequency of Bond films throughout the years I'll see if I can find it and and tweet it it's really interesting
3: It's, it's Fairly self explanatory, isn't it? Every year for a while, then every two years for a while, then again, <laughs> then leave <gap>, <laughs> for legal reasons, then every two years, uh-huh. then slip into three, and now fucking whenever they feel like and it. That's
2: whenever they can feel Yeah, whenever they feel like it. Absolutely. <laughs> whenever, <pathetic>. <laughs> whenever, whenever, <laughs> whenever they, they feel get awake. Get on with it. Dear Barbara Michael, get on
0: with it. Whenever they feel awake.
3: Yeah, yeah, that that was the worst thing. That was the worst excuse. I don't think he meant any harm by saying it, but when Daniel Craig said, I think everyone's a bit tired, it's like, well, you're not up to it then, are you? No. <laughs> what, what studio ever says that? You know what I mean? But anyway. Well, yeah, as long as
0: you're giving your best.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, what else are you doing in the meantime?
3: Well, Daniel Craig is suddenly having a rash of activity, though, because he's he just made really a dizzy. film for Ryan Johnson, Knives Out, where he seems to be playing like a detective, I think. It's kind of like a. A Poirot type character and then he's doing Bond and he signed up for something right afterwards with Tom Fields as well Todd Fields oh, well, yeah, the They've got, they
2: got a, um, a child so you've got to get on and, and you keep
3: Yeah yeah he, he must be a bit tight for cash now with all the <laughs> you <laughs> know all the nappies and stuff yeah he must be tight for money
2: All the toys
3: Yeah so um, anyway on to this so we meet Darren Cross who's basically trying to Perfect his own shrinking suit and he's forced out Hank Pym. Hank Pym sort of is, well, he's almost chairman, chairman emeritus, isn't he? he? turns up now and again to wave and say hello to people, but that's about it.
2: Yeah, I'm still alive.
3: Yeah, and we see that he's, Darren Cross is trying to shrink sheep, isn't he?
2: Yeah, poor lambs, unfortunately. And it's
3: not going very well. Yeah. No. What else? Where do we get to the next bit? Because the next bit is the stealing of the Ant Man suit. But I'm trying to remember how but that it, came well, they, about. they hit
2: upon this job, don't they? And then it's basically yeah, but... one, one of those of, of, of Louis yeah. recounting yeah. how he came old,
0: up on this job. Old man has safe. Old guy has safe. Old man's out yeah. for a week, yeah.
3: But Louis <laughs> tells loads of details. It's like, it starts at a, You've got this flashback to like a barbecue and them, like them all mouthing to him. And uh, this person said it. that. And then this person says this. And yeah, and it turns out. That they, need, they can break into this safe, uh, which we'll later find out Hank Pym kind of set up. He wanted to see how good a thief Scott Lang was. The, the burglary itself is actually kind of well done, isn't it?
0: Yeah, because he's, it, it, well, you know, it, it shows how quick he can think. You know, it's like, it, oh, well. It well. shows
3: it, well, firstly, it shows he's fairly agile because he yeah. gets up the outside of the house pretty well, so he can get in places, but he's smart and he obviously knows a little bit of chemistry as well. Yeah. Think of it as and... which you which you would look at it because it's expansion, isn't it? So mm. probably more physics. But Ice yeah.
2: expands, metal doesn't.
3: Yeah. So yeah. So he firstly gets through the first door, and he does that by sort of cloning a fingerprint, which is good. Yeah,
2: that's really clever as well. That's
3: quite clever. And then he. he to basically try this at home. He uses like nitrogen or something to freeze the safe, so yeah. it will expand and. But well,
2: yeah, he sort of. Like... I think it's it's convenient how you know he finds exactly what he needs in that drawer. <laughs> every house everywhere has like a, a drawer a bear in mind, this is a, drawer, a, a, drawer, which is a this Bond
3: fan it. where, you know <laughs> yeah, film after filmers. just in case you need a rebreather <laughs> here it is, <laughs> here it is just, just in case you need to like swing just in case you, need, across, in case you need to swing across a chasm here, here's a watch here with it this is. thing that's going to come out of it yeah, yeah, you're right though
2: you're
3: right you need a magnetic watch, that can detect the path of a bullet. Yeah. Here it is.
2: He'll never answer many Johnnies, though, does he? No, he doesn't. But no, I, I just think that was quite funny. Obviously, it's one of those, you know, to spend your disbelief. But I just think, well, you know, every house has got that kind of drawer where you've got all kind of crap in there. And you don't know what It'll you might
3: find. To You're right, but it's never occurred to me. I think I'm, I'm always caught up in, like, he's pretty smart, isn't he?
2: Yeah, no, he's yeah. pretty screwed. Um, pretty switched on.
3: And they're all loyal and playing their roles. That no one's—they're not running into each other or overstepping the mark. They're all very professional.
2: No, of course they are. Pretty cool. He's very really good.
3: He steals the Ant-Man suit, and I don't know if I'd even seen—I don't think I'd seen many trailers for this before it came out, because I think it was taken aback at some point in the production of this film, maybe on first viewing, by how low-tech and old-fashioned the suit looks. Yeah, it's, it's not what I was expecting.
2: No, it'd be interesting to you know to see various versions of, of the suit um, and how close they are to the, the comics the original stories.
0: Yeah, but also you got to think the time when it was actually used as well. It was like so it wouldn't have been as It was being used yeah. in the
3: forties and 50s, 50s, well Cold War wasn't it? So sort of sixties. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So um well yeah so where, yeah so so he 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 pinched the suit and then. What happens there? He, he gets back and he's uh, a bit spoiled. He, but... he, he tries
3: it on in the bathroom.
0: Oh right, that's it, yes. And that's where you have the old like, you know, learning t- learning to le- learning your skill set kind of thing. Where he gets like sucked into like being small and we actually Yeah, well
3: he basically gets washed down the plug hole and all that sort of thing yeah. where he's about to be. Ends up in a nightclub nearly being stepped on and the the the, the effect that took t- 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 me at the time is him being on a vinyl record. Yeah. That's... Um I thought this was all really well done. You couldn't have done this film. A lot, a number of years ago.
0: Mm. Like this is a. I, I think this is definitely Edgar Wright, or li, at least the DNA of Edgar Wright or this whole sequence.
3: I think the being on a vinyl record sounds yeah. like it
0: Yeah, that's I've,
2: pretty cool. Uh, the music of this—you know, obviously, kidos sticker stuff, but but I think a, a lot of the song choices here um, have got, I definitely got um Edgar Wright's fingerprints on as well. So.
3: What was what was playing? I can't remember now. So, I've got like Francis It's just yours, gone out of
2: my head. I'm really I sorry.
3: Don't matter. All right. Play um, that funky
0: music, white boy. I don't know. I don't know.
3: But, um. Yeah, there's uh, a lot yeah, of soul and funk
0: in this song, for
3: sure. We actually find out because, uh, uh, Hank talks to Scott through the suit, doesn't he? Yeah. And it just turns out he's arranged all this. Yeah, like, Pay he, attention, he, needs, he needs a decent thief. He need, but he needs a decent, smart, and kind of moral thief at the same time. Yeah. So, yeah. And of course, we've seen we've seen have we seen Scott with his daughter yet? We have, haven't we? Yeah,
0: we have. Yeah, visits,
3: he visits his wife, which at we about. Birthday party at a birthday party, yeah. and his daughter adores him. Mm. It's and he's you can see he's actually a pretty good dad.
0: Well, yeah, I can tell you like the proper understands his daughter because he gives her like the this doll which looks grotesque, but she loves it. So there's almost there's definitely like. Um... There's a connection there that they both like get that you know she oh she like oh that looks terrible she'll love it you know that kind of thing that that um that his, that his mum d- doesn't quite understand um but, you know but yeah so that 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 that's that's he's, set
3: he's up he's the he's the fun parent isn't he yeah but um yeah he gets arrested trying to put the suit give the suit back
0: <laughs> yeah that's kind of <laughs> fun, like no play. I wasn't stealing I was putting this back pa- oh shit
3: <laughs> yeah well, I could steal it. Uh, and without trying to gloss over it too much, basically uh, Hank Pym breaks him out of prison. Yeah, and he breaks him out because we find out Hank Pym can manipulate ants. Yeah,
0: do insects we, generally. Do, do we know how? Is that like what? What? How does he do that? Is it feel like sort sonic well, wave or something? Or
3: it's yeah, it's it's brainwaves or something because it's something just over his ear, isn't it? Mm. I'm I'm assuming yeah. I mean, the science of this film, I mean, science with a small S, you know, kind of like Marvel version of it, it makes much more sense here than it does in the sequels. It's a bit like, it's a microcosm of Marvel in general, in that Iron Man started as realistic as anything like this is ever going to be, outside of something grittier like Nolan. Yeah. Um, And then over the years, they've expanded the hits he takes and the falls he can do, and you start stretching belief. And I think Ant-Man was a bit like that. The first film tried to sell the sort of science of compacting atoms and molecules mm. closer together. So you're more powerful, but in a much smaller space. It's all our body, but none of the spaces between cells and stuff. Yeah. The, the sequel shits on that with, like, Giant Man, because he should be weak as shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's basically the strength of us, scaled... But from a massive person, an ant hitting you with the power that I could hit you with would be devastating. Yeah. A, a fucking great, you know, Stay Puff Marshmallow Man thing hitting you with the power I could. It would be dispersing over a bigger area and have no power at all. So this, this is the one film of the two that tries to do anything science-related. Or at least it be internally logical. Mm. Um, but that said, I can't quite... It is to do I, I, I'm not sure how it's com- communicated to ants. I'm not quite sure. But it's basically you can think what you want them to do.
0: It's like, yeah. It's basically sort of, you know, like in Austin Powers, uh, yeah, try try not to th- think, think about it too much. Just
2: enjoy
3: no, the think about it too much, no. <laughs> That goes for you too, viewers. <laughs> yes. Don't
2: think about the logic too much.
3: <laughs> but the film probably does explain it. We just can't yeah. remember they're all sat around the breakfast table and stuff. I mean, look, let, let, let,
0: let, let's face it. I mean, do we really care that much? It's like, all right, you can do that, great. Not <laughs> it has to do with, with sonic waves, Not isn't
2: wild. it, though, and also bring waves. Um, well, I've got a, I've got a fun fact about how ants communicate coming up at the end of the show.
3: Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> so, at the same time... We'll uh, you know, of- I'm built
0: with ants. Anticipation Anticipation Oh dear I'll call you all the <laughs> ant puns I
2: thought Shall I open a show With all the ant puns I thought No I'm above that <laughs> But no
0: Sorry Yeah You don't want to bug our listeners <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, i missed it I <laughs>
3: anyway, go on. I, didn't, I didn't even spot it as a pun, to be honest. That's how slow I am in <laughs> anticipation. The only thing that clued me in is he put a question mark on the end, so I <laughs> thought he was doing like Dr. Evil or something, because we've just mentioned the Cross. Anyway, uh, we keep checking in on Darren Cross, uh, so we, we can tell he's evil because he's killing all these animals trying to do it. He doesn't really care. Uh, you, you, know what,
0: does... you know what it is, also? It's a simple sort of like when he actually does. Gets a, uh, gets one set. He kind of like flicks it, almost like a little like, sadist.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's like it is like you know the magnifying glass on ants yeah. or something. Yeah. He
0: kind of go, yeah, yeah.
3: He does get it right eventually. So he, he has perfected the technology. He does kill someone as well, doesn't he? Yeah.
0: Someone like, questions uh, it, like
1: he's someone just...
3: questions it. He's in the bathroom and he's washing his hands, and someone comes out of one of the stalls hmm. and questions him or questions the tech, and he basically disintegrates him with one of the. Weapons he's going to use on this yellow jacket character. I
0: think what it is, it's it's kind of like what well, it's, it's basically the, the test run, and he could, because he knows the test one just makes you like in a big loop, that's what he just yeah. used. He's like used like a gun that shrinks people, but it because it's not perfected, it's just, it just yeah. makes him go.
3: Yeah, so basically, Hope Van Dyne is kind of working alongside a guy we now know to be a murderer, yeah, and they've just perfected a technology that, um is exactly what Hank is worried about in the first scene when he resigns from S.H.I.E.L.D. So actually the script is fairly tight, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty well set up.
3: Um, so Pim has made himself known to Scott Lang, um, has broken him out of prison by basically using ants to carry the suit, in, a small version of the suit in to him and also cover up all the cameras and so on.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: We get used uh, to
0: Anthony.
3: We get used to Anthony, which is his... Ant. Don't and ants don't aunt... actually live like a day or something.
0: I don't
3: know. I don't know. I need to look up what's their lifespan. i don't, don't not a fun
0: fact
2: about that at the end of the show.
3: All right. Well, we won't question it now, and we hope you don't either. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I've just seen it on Wikipedia, so no, no, my worries are unfounded. But I won't give it away. Um, uh, and so we start the basically the you know the training sequence, the you know Karate Kid stroke Rocky section of the film.
2: Montage, gotta have a montage.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. Yes, um, yeah. See, Hope who's not a fan. she's just, like rather do it herself. So um... that's
3: the other thing. We do find out. I don't know when in the film we find out what happened to Janet Bandine. It's,
0: it's about just roughly halfway over halfway through. Yeah, yeah. hour,
3: he's never hour talked hour half, about it, so it? she doesn't quite know. Yeah, she knows they no, went yeah. off on some mission. This is obviously given a bit more. To, in to begin the with,
2: he says that she died in a plane crash and ho- yes. hope's like oh don't don't lie to me I,
3: you
2: know I've... Yeah. all this so they news. go off on so
3: some mission and she doesn't come back and he hasn't exactly said what happened
2: no she goes subatomic that's what um, we know
3: that's what we find out later mm-hmm. but he's at wrong. this stage he's now overprotective father i can't have that happening to you mm. no fair enough. so she wants to be the wasp and she's not allowed so and he's basically moved oh, wait, in to the sequel this for thief. that he's moved in this thief to yeah. do it. Yeah, where, where she wears a suit that has a cock and balls on it, on the front of it. <laughs> okay. I didn't notice that. Yeah, you want, I'll, I'll send you a photo. <laughs>
2: um, I have seen both those films. I've not seen them.
3: Hang on, I've got to show you the photo. It's really obvious once you see it, and you can't unsee oh it Oh dear,
2: then. I cannot unsee. Oh dear. Yeah,
3: no, I'll find a like, shot. Maybe
2: I don't want to see it then.
3: Well, basically, if you take... Hang on, I've just sent you <laughs> a second.
2: Okay, moving on. What else happens next?
3: I don't know. I'm trying to find a picture of this. (laughs) Carry on, folks. I want to
1: see now. All
3: right, I'm sending it to you. Look from basically her tits down. It's a cock and balls.
2: Oh, cannot unsee. (laughs)
3: There you go.
2: Yeah, that's quite obvious. (laughs) It is, isn't it? (laughs) That's just poor design, really. That
3: is really poor design. Anyway moving, on. anyway, moving on. it up on. yourself, listeners. Yes. So. <laughs> we get more of this in the sequel, but basically, he's moved in a thief, and she's not allowed. And yet, she's been working on the technology for years with people. She's like learned all the martial arts and fighting that she's supposed to learn to do it. So it sells that pretty well. Although this is a small role, I do wonder if um, I do wonder if she'd have had a bigger role in the Edgar Wright version because she does feel a bit crammed in here.
0: It's hard to tell, really, isn't it? I mean, I, 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 I suspect maybe everyone may be beefed out, but then, who knows? Um,
1: yeah. I
0: know. Okay. Yeah, but, um, yes. Yeah, so, well, so yes. Yeah, so,
3: this whole section of the film is basically him learning to control insects. To do what they want, so it's things mm. like he's got to practice by getting them to put sugar lumps in his tea mm. and things like that. I don't think I'd drink that afterwards. <laughs> but anyway, um, and fighting. So like you know, he says I've been in prison. I know I had a punch, but she's better better at fighting than he is, so he has to learn all that. And it's also the swift changes of size. So running at a door, changing to an ant size, yeah. getting through the lock, like the keyhole, and then like re all. That's all. So there's lots of him running into doors and things like that. Mm. And it's, it's all quite played funny. quite nicely. Yeah, it's all played quite nicely. But it's and we one have bit a, of...
0: Yeah, and we have a break, don't we, when we have like a little bit of an emotional one-to-one where she she runs off in a huff about getting pissed off the fact that why aren't I doing it? And then Scotland Lang g- go, follows her and explains the fact that, look, you just use me because I'm expendable. You know, it's clearly... He's like, he doesn't really give a shit what happens to me because something, something back goes down. You can live live with it. Can't live, you know. Doesn't want to lose you as well. Uh,
3: Absolutely, yeah. You might as well hate me if it keeps you safe. Yeah, yeah. Um, We do find out about her disappearing into the quantum realm now. I think, uh, see, we get a longer version of this sequence in the next in the sequel. Yeah but it's using a lot of the exact same shots because I watched Ant-Man and went straight out to watch Ant-Man and the Wasp right afterwards. So um, I'm aware that they reuse. So whether they shot it all at the time, I've no idea or whether they've just expanded it out very consistent across the two films. I think the Russians had accidentally fired a a ballistic missile at the U S something had been launched by accident about to take out a major city would have been possibly a world war or certainly mutually assured destruction or a short conflict or something along those lines. Uh, his regulator's broke, which is the thing that controls their size. It's kind of on their belt buckle. Uh, she is, so she uses hers, Go subatomic to get in between the bits of it,
1: mm. which will
3: play later in the film with the final action sequence. Uh, this whole going subatomic thing. And we're told basically you go into a realm in which, time and space don't mean the same thing uh more of that might be coming in the end game we believe that you might be able to time travel with it but certainly she gets stuck in a in another world it reminds me a little bit actually of when i I was reminded of it when i watched aquaman actually um it's not subatomic world but where nicole kidman's character ends up kind of in a different world that no one quite knew was there center yeah, yeah. of the world sort of thing it's a little bit like that you're stuck there for decades by yourself and no one knows you still exist uh so yeah we, we've got that so what then we I, we must go straight to um
0: it's, it's basically that like the rest of the st- manchars where he gets where he starts doing things like you know successfully
3: yeah what's the bit with the avengers that are with uh falcon anyway sam wilson <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's. What was that?
3: Was that a test one, or did they have to steal something to use in the main robbery?
0: Yeah, yeah, he had to, to go and uh, get something. Then they and then he just sold it as a yeah, just 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 a, just some warehouse. <laughs>
3: some warehouse, and it turns out to be the very facility we saw at the end of the last film, the new Avengers yeah. headquarters. Uh, this sort of thing on the page would worry me. Like it's a bit like Fonzie walking through the door. All right, Falcon's not the biggest of the Avengers, but you know what I mean. Yeah. it's a bit not, but it actually plays okay.
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, to be fair, I'm struggling to think who would who would be like if you could pick anyone, like regardless of, like you know, budget or you know if they're available. Like if you you have your pick, who would you pick? And I think you know, Vulcan's probably like the best one for like tone and like you know for keeping the scale as well. You know about you know being a bit too crammed in. What do you think? You
3: don't want Tony Stark turning up. You don't want Cap as the lead Avenger at this point. You don't want Cap turning up. And then you've got Black Widow, but possibly, but then you've got it's a bit awkward every time you've got to fight a woman. And there is a bit of a conflict here. So yeah, you're probably right. This is probably about right.
0: And and it eats well it, it goes in well with Civil War because it means that, you know, uh, Falcons on Capside and it's like it's a link to the next film where he goes and there was someone who could help us out. And the
3: way this film ends, yeah. yeah, the way this film ends. So I'm I'm okay with this sequence in general. I think this is actually okay, and also it does set up this sort of slightly starstruck Paul Rudd mm. for the rest of it. He's he's kind of a bit in awe of the Avengers from from now on, and he's trying really hard to impress, and that's that's there in his like later appearances. I don't think he's the best done thing about Civil War, which I love. I love Civil War now. Really, it's really grown on me, but. One of the complaints I'll have next week is that it is a bit overstuffed, and and Scott Lang suffers. Just the way the way he's introduced in that film is is just so like shit. Uh, there he is. I'm here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hi. I, I don't. Well, know. you know,
0: to be fair, you know, if you're gonna do that with any of them, Scott Lang's a point. Scott Lang. yeah. Yeah. yeah, because he can get away with it. He can do because it it's a bit more irrelevant, a bit more like, oh, I am here.
3: <laughs> and, and and not only that, he's so desperate to join. You can just like pull up in a van and say, yeah, it's <laughs> true uh yeah okay so i'm i'm kind of all right with it but it it was a it, it jarred on first viewing i was like christ they haven't even thought about how to introduce people here um so when i did the summer review which anyone listens back on i was kind enough to civil war but i was like it's overstuffed and it's a bit of a mess and i don't quite agree with myself now two and a half years on but yeah, that the first the 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 poster boy for it was how Scott Lang was introduced. But that slight um, in all of the Avengers, we we are sold here, and I, I don't mind this this little reminder of it being in the same world because it does sit apart very much from the rest of the universe. I mean, even even the fact that like a lot of it's San Francisco and stuff, it's it's not. You know, it's not New York. You know what I mean, mm. and or LA. You know, uh, Tony was in like Malibu and things mm. like that in the first couple. So, what else are we uh, do? We go straight to the sort of final act now, really. We've we go to yeah cross he, unveiling the cross's unveiling ceremony for the thing.
0: Yeah, because he get he, he gets the he gets the thing, and then we have um, we we have uh, Kojak, uh, sort of turn turn up at the house like oddly just bro- broke it and it's they... not really cool, Jack. Sorry. <laughs> I know but he is now and... <laughs> and yeah so there's there's a bit of like oh right well he's onto us so uh, and then they get the information that like right well we're gonna need extra extra support so that they they decide to bring in uh, Louise and everyone else
3: uh yeah I quite like this now, the, the, the thing is well what we should have made kind of clear much more at the outset is is one of the things Marvel we're definitely talking about a lot towards the end of the second phase. Um, I think it's partly in response to complaints all Marvel films are the same, which is kind of ludicrous. There's just consistency of tone. Yeah. Which kind of makes sense because...
0: I mean, you could say template, but then again, you can say about a lot of films though. I mean, like... Well, yeah,
3: but... Yeah, yeah, but... 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 Aquaman feels totally very, very different from something like Man of Steel.
0: And Wonder Woman. and And I
3: think... Yeah, I think, although they were a long, long time apart, to be fair, but uh, I don't really have a problem with it. But what they were, what Kevin Feige was trying to point out, is every film kind of has a, a subgenre. Mm. You know, we're always trying to say what do we want this film to be, and when they got to Ant Man, they said we want it to be a heist film. Yeah. And what we haven't really talked about is that's what it is.
0: Mm. It is because there's no, there's uh, cause no real major, there's no actual big action sequ- sequences like. Really, I mean, we have the fight, I mean, the fight with, um, Falcon is the first predominantly massive fight scene, um, which is kind of like a good fun way to introduce, like getting, you know, get used to him fighting and see what he's like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we know it, it is just build up, build up, build up to the, the climactic sequence of the film or, you know, so to speak.
3: Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. And, um, the only risk here, and I kind of forget this, I kind of forget, and I, I do have like a synopsis in front of me to just glance at now and again. I, I really forgot what Darren Cross's plan is because it isn't like end of the world stuff. It you know it it isn't the world end. If but actually he would have sold the technology to Hydra,
1: mm.
3: and of course that that's we were only a couple of years, you know back. We were sold very strongly the dangers of Hydra having power. Yeah. That's what the final act Mm. of the film is. Yeah. Infiltrating the building, sabotaging, you know, uh, sabotaging all the computers and servers and things like that and steal the yellow jacket. So all all the technology is lost and all the sort of means of making the technology is lost. That's, that's what the final act of the film is. And at the same time, you've got Pym and sort of Van Dyne there because it's the unveiling ceremony. So this all has to happen with two of our protagonists in sort of immediate in the immediate yeah. firing line, which is kind of good. It, mm. it, it is kind of good. That said, I don't know how much I've got left to say about this action sequence because again, my Act Three problem kicks in now, and it's all this is all right.
0: Well, uh, I mean, I, I think it's all pretty good because it's all just like um, it. It is just your, your high, sequ- high sequence high secrets. I mean, it he goes in, sets the servers. Uh, it doesn't go to plan because he's conned on, uh, Darren Cross is conned on that, um, that that's what they're doing. Um, they, he traps Ant-Man in where where the yellow jacket is. And, um, yeah.
3: The one thing I missed uh, on this viewing, and it's seven or eight months since I've watched it the last time in the build-up to Ant-Man of the Wasp. We got it later over here because of the World Cup. Mm. for anyone listening in the United States we got it in August so I think you you guys had it in like early July or late June um, but one of the things I've, I've completely forgotten about the original Ant-Man is how well was that shrinking and expanding technology from those discs trailed before the final action sequence because on this viewing I think I missed it because all of a sudden we're in the midst of Act 3 and he's got these discs, like the one he sticks in his regulator at the very end to expand. Yeah, I don't know how well that was actually trailed in the plot.
0: I think it's theorised, and I think it's it's probably mentioned. I try, I'm trying to think now myself. That one, but um,
3: okay, but it might I be. Guess sort it of, doesn't really matter
0: because yeah, because um, you have the thing, the tank as well, don't you?
3: Yeah, the tank's on uh, He's got a tank on a keychain, very like in the second film, he's wheeling around a building. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, which we'll talk office. about
3: when we get to it. Cause there are some funny things that occur to me when I think about that. But yeah, um, it works. It does all work this, but again, I don't know how much I have to say about it because it's just, it's an action sequence. Yeah. It's fairly inventively shot. You've got like lots of little bits of comic relief from like Luis and stuff like that, you know, and him at the end mm. going, are we the good guys and things like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's okay. It's obviously got a coda because we we get to once Yellow Jacket, you know, Darren Cross is in the Yellow Jacket stuff, and we end up with because he he's about to escape with it all, isn't he, in a helicopter? Yeah. But effectively, to cut a long story short, they end up fighting each other across sort of people's yards and swimming pools, mm. and it's and all right sight gags,
0: it. isn't it? When it's going to be this big, massive. Or plopping Back.
3: into water tiny and then springing out massive and things like that, or big, normal size.
0: Well, it's like you see it in the context of fighting, like throwing these big, massive things around, and you see in the context of reality, which is just like a little tiny little boop.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, certainly in the final sequence where they're like, you know, the, the train and it's like big impacts, and then you see it, and it was in the trailer, it cuts yeah. away and it's just a tiny little toy train just falling off the track.
0: Yeah.
3: All of that's pretty good. Uh, yeah. Anything? Anything else we really want to say about this action stuff? That's the problem. I don't think it's. Well, it's it... what, this 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 act is what I was worried about. About we've talked quite at length about this film, and I've I've got more out of it than I thought. But the third act is what I thought I was going to have with the whole film. That it's like, well, it's not bad. It's not that good. It's all right.
0: Well. You know, well, you no, know, it's fair when you are doing like talking about a film sequentially. It's, it's you know it's difficult to sort of talk about through the plot of the action scene. You know, it's like oh, well, you know, and and then he throws that punch, and then he threw that punch, and then he, dunk, you know, what I, mean? you know like...
3: I know you can't, I know you can't go through every beat of it, but I don't really have any great observations either. I, I don't really have
0: no. It's, it's, I like
3: it's, the way this was done, or I like this facet of it. It just kind of happens, and it's, it's fine.
0: It's just a bunch of. Uh, you know, well, curious sight gags. You have the, you know, this, you know, the the cure gag, and you have, you know, like obviously the, the other sight gags of him, like of like knocking him, with, knocking him on the on the on the, the fly zapper thing. Yeah, um, yeah it's you know, it, it's 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 just a fun thing. Obviously, he goes to goes to you know, he goes to get his daughter, and you know, he he makes the initial sacrifice of of going in, and you know doing doing the same thing that um uh what's what's she what she's called. Anyway. What his daughter. It, no, the original wasp is called. Well that was Oh so, no
3: Janet for yeah Janet is yeah. oh yeah that that's worth talking about. Obviously it turns out he needs to get effectively inside um the yellow jacket suit. Yeah. Uh and he, he needs to go summer topic to get with to get between the sort of plates on the back mm. to start tearing this suit apart. Yeah. So he has to go subatomic, which is exactly what we saw Janet Van Dyne do, and she never came back from that.
1: Hmm.
3: So that's the point. Um, And that's actually quite a nice effect because bits of him are like uh, disappearing or so you know becoming really really tiny and stuff.
0: It's like he's getting sucked into himself, isn't it? It looks looks kind of painful.
3: Yeah, it made. Do you know what it made me think of? when you watch something like Star Trek 2009 and basically uh, Vulcan gets consumed by a black hole at its surface, yeah, it, it's that kind of thing. It doesn't look like that, but basically without meaning to sound lewd, being sucked into yourself. Mm. Yes.
1: <laughs>
3: oh, Becca, grow up.
1: <laughs> he got sucked off.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of the film, when he gets sucked off, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: I'm only joining into the rude parts now.
0: So um, right, uh, yeah. So we 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 start to see what it's like being subatomic, uh, and he suddenly you know remembers, oh, I've got this thing that makes makes me go big.
3: It's a bad trip.
0: Yeah. That's yeah, it's really it's a bad like. trip, isn't
3: it? Pretty much. Mm.
0: Uh, so yeah, he, he managed to sort of do that. Get, he managed to get sort of get it back, so to speak, and yeah, um, and and they've got a new massive. Pet ant, <laughs> which we, we see
3: that slightly overdone in the sequel. Yeah,
0: and um, yeah, so he's you know he's built trust with the the cop um, with Step Paxton, Yeah,
3: yeah. He hasn't got has he got a job at this point? We know they do in the sequel. We know what this gang go to do in the sequel, but is that set up in this film at all? Because think... he's sat having dinner with them, but we don't know if he's got work at this point.
0: Yeah, I think he just calls it work, but it's really like working with
3: The Avengers and stuff. Yeah, kind of yeah, kind of it is a bit like that, isn't it? Okay, but he's he's Paxton has covered up from him, he's kept out of prison, they're having dinner together, they're watching film, you know, film on the phone of yeah. Cassie doing like cartwheels and stuff. Yeah. All very nice. Kind of oh Uh, oh, they
0: they, they share a kiss with um, Scott shares a kiss with Hope oh right I thought
3: you went him and Paxton shared a kiss with Uh, his uh, his (laughs) ex-wife I thought I don't remember that Paxton does seem to like him it's possible Uh, yes he has a kiss with uh, doesn't he get interrupted by um, Hank
0: yeah and then she blows up it's nothing well it's kind of something (laughs) yeah
3: that is, that's all very well done We haven't said a lot about Hank Pym Funnily enough, as you talk through it he's not, It's not that important, but Michael Douglas is great In every sequence
2: He yeah, is, he's really good, isn't he? It?
3: Yeah, it's, I just like the fact He's hes aged his screen presence Without changing his screen presence This is the same actor, but giving off The same energy as when he was doing stuff like Fatal Attraction, and yet He, he, he couldn't and wouldn't try to play those roles now
2: yeah. He's got star quality all the way
3: I've no, no matter
2: what you might think of him of his personal life, but he's just got star quality all the way.
0: when you think of Michael Douglas, you kind of forget that he has got a good, you know, comedic sense of sensibility about him. Because you think even like uh, you always think about like you know the Fatal Attraction type things, but he would, when you um, but, but he you? did
3: he did he did the films with Bob Zemeckis, Romance, yeah, the Stone. exactly. They were they were they were humorous. War of the Roses was a funny film. Yeah, it was a funnier trailer than film in that when you see... If you go and look up a trailer, listeners, to War of of the Roses, it's a 1989 film. I've got a feeling Danny DeVito may have directed it.
0: Yeah, I think he did. And funnily
3: enough, we had this conversation. I listened back to a show me and Chris did years ago where we said he, um... throw Mama from the train, and we're arguing over whether it's him or... We're not arguing, we're just saying, was it him or Frank Oz who directed it? It was Danny DeVito. I think we settled on Frank Oz at the time. But, um... Uh, war of the roses had a really good trailer it was him and him and kathleen turner have sort of okay. split up and they they sort of start really fighting with each other and refusing to you leave the house so you think you're gonna get this amazing film and it's not actually that good but he's got a really good comedic sensibility in it he did um he did some kind of Light Earth there. He did a film called Wonder Boys in about 2001 with Tobey Maguire. Oh, yeah, I remember that.
1: That's a
2: really good
3: film. That's no, really a really good film, yeah. I, I'm trying to think what else. who else was it. It's a Curtis Hansen film I've just yeah. seeing. Mm. So, same guy who did LA Confidential. It's got Robert Downey Jr. in it. I did remember that. It's kind of like a Marvel
2: before Marvel.
3: Well, Francis McDormand was in it, and that gives you a clue to its tone. Because you was in Fargo. Uh, he was in One Night at McCool's. That he's got. Well, he that, a, he? He he's he's a actually medium.
0: pretty. He's actually pretty funny in the uh, behind the Campo Hour Even though that's there's a kind of like a really odd. Oh, and the yeah, and the um. Uh,
3: he plays Liberace. Yeah. In, the Liberace
0: movie, uh,
2: yeah. He's
3: having an affair with Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which made me laugh when uh, that was quite a good Affleck, film. Affleck recently went on Jimmy Kimmel and announced he wasn't playing Batman anymore. And they raised his suit up to the to the ceiling of the studio and replaced the thong Matt Damon <laughs> wore in beyond the, beyond the, cabra, beyond the cabra, cabra, candelabra. Candelabra. What else was he? He was in loads of funny stuff, though. I I'm just think of One Night at McCall's because he plays quite a sort of stereotyped kind of character in that. But, yeah, so he's got a very... He can do most things. And I, mean, I thought it was
2: quite funny. So, you know, warring partners.
3: I don't think he'll ever be as iconic as his father, but I think he's a far, far better actor than Kirk Douglas. And I've liked him in most things he's ever done, whether the film's been any good or not. And there's a couple of fairly big things he did that I've not seen yet. I mean, Chris, you spoke quite highly of Black Rain, and I've still not seen it.
0: Yeah, Black Rain's all right. It's kind of, it's a very, it's Ridley Scott, so it's constantly done. and It's just like a really gritty uh, cop thriller type thing. It's almost like a neon noir kind of, Kind of throwback thing, but it's it's definitely worth watching. Uh, yeah, trying trying to think, he was in a film called Beyond the Reach recently. Uh, seen that. It was in Haywire. Uh, that was a good film. <laughs> Ghosts of Girlfriends. It's cheesy like, but
3: yeah. Mm. So yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it, it's uh, although it's not strictly relevant to this film, I just feel like we haven't said enough about him, and he's very very good in this film. The American yeah, and, President.
1: That,
3: that's an that Aaron Sorkin it. film, same guy who wrote The West yeah. Wing and all that. Uh, that. That's him and Alec Benning. And I, I don't know if I've seen it all the way through. I know I've seen some of it. I think I've seen it all the way through. And I very nearly downloaded it. I need, nearly rented it the other day off like Amazon because I thought, I need to see that again because apparently it's a really nice film.
0: No, it's, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a very like, pleasant watch. Uh, yeah,
3: that's yeah, exactly that. Pleasant. That's what I would expect it to be. But I'm but, falling
0: uh, down, even though that's quite dark, but there's a bit of a dark humour to it.
3: Falling down is a Joel Schumacher film, mm. although it doesn't in any way feel like a Joel Schumacher. Well, there's
0: there's two Joel Schumachers there. It's got to be a different. There's falling guy. down Sh- no, Joel Schumacher, and there's and Lost Batman Boys. Yeah. yeah. There's there's neon Joel. There's serious Joel Schumacher, and then there's neon Joel Schumacher. There's
3: this guy who just cracks. He sat in like on a hot day in LA in like a traffic jam and he's unhappy with his life and eventually he just goes mad and starts killing people. And he goes on a rampage. But it's kind of interesting and it was certainly a departure for him at the time. Mm-hmm. But, it's, yeah. it's very
2: much a film of its time though, of, of its era as well. It encapsulates everything about that particular time um, and about the human condition. I know that sounds really silly. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of like his roles, that was definitely a, a breakaway role for him. At yeah. that time, uh, at that point in his career.
3: Yeah, such a same, good film. I would recommend same, it. Same year, year before Basic Instinct, I think. Mm. Where the funniest thing about his performance in there is the sweater he wears to the nightclub. That's it's, it's <laughs> worth seeing for that. But um, yeah. What are the post credit sequences? The first I don't, I don't, I don't
2: sequences... know if that's seen. He appears in an episode of Willing Grace, not the new series, but one of the older series. And I'm pretty sure there's a reference to it, but I, I don't know if he wears the same sweater. I can't remember. I'm not sure. But there's some reference made to it. Anyway, post, yeah, moving on.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, the post-credit sequences are is Hope being given her wasp outfit. Yeah. Uh, and then a tease for, well, a part of Civil War, actually. It's a little scene from Civil War where they've got... Um,
0: I think I know a guy, yeah.
3: ...winter soldier captured and, he, and he's sort of being t- stuck by the arm in this mm. contraption. Um, Strange decision. Had nothing to do with this film, really. and It was less a tease than a, mm. a bit of the film. But yeah, that's uh, that's Ant Man. Final thoughts, folks.
2: Becca. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I, yeah, I did enjoy this film. Um, as you were talking earlier about, um, you know, who who we think wrote what. I mean, sometimes you can you can kind of see, not see the cracks, but you can kind of see where one takes over and um, I wrote that that bit, and then um, Adam McKay wrote that bit, for example. Um, but I think on the whole, it's quite um, it's very consistent. Um, and for a film that's kind of two two hours two and a bit hours i think it kind of cracks along at you know fairly good length um obviously it's a big setup for for civil war which follows next um doesn't try to do a lot of well but you know the, it doesn't try to set you up for the next film as, as is want to do in, in some of the marvel movies um forwards brilliant as i say he's probably like your unlikely hero but then, and then again so is that man um yeah can't, you can't deny the star quality of michael douglas in this film he is, he's pretty solid all the way through Kojak is a formidable.
1: Word.
2: <laughs> I, I regret this now. Um, he loves your baby. Is, it's <laughs> but it is—it's a, it's a really solid film. Um, in terms of the comedic stakes, um, for the fairly kind of serious films that we've had previously, that we have either side of this film, as as you said earlier, it's a you know palate cleanser, um, action heist comedy, and it fits in really well at this point in the uh, in the Marvel universe, definitely. Oh, Chris, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I think I think it's actually quite um, an, an important part. I think, you know, even though it doesn't seem like it, I, I think it's, uh, it kept the ball ro- rolling where it, it could have, enthusiasm for Marvel could have easily dropped if this, you know, if this fell flat on its face a- after um, Ultron, then, you know, the Civil War would have had some work to do, as, as good as it was. So, um, yeah, I, I thought it's, it's a nice sort of, as you say but you know it's also example of what marvel does right which is even though it has a set formula it does give you different stuff it's like you know it's different it's not always the same film you know it it feels like they try something different each time and it's kind of nice you know it's what makes it work um like two or three films a year rather than like you know one every two years like you normally get with most franchises this you know it it feel, it doesn't feel like you've been beaten down you know you don't get feel fatigued so to speak because you, you're given something different each time
3: yeah I mean people talk about uh fatigue you know franchise fatigue or superhero film fatigue and I think it it happened it happened in a truncated period though mm. it happened in the sort of three months between age of Ultron and this mm. you know I think I think there was a feeling because age of Ultron we reviewed it it's okay but by marvel's standards at this point and i think more importantly by the standards of their previous year but also the previous avengers film so you've got the guy who's made the avengers great the follow-up but he's also following 2014 which is still their best year in my opinion you could make an argument for um might be able to make an argument for 2017 maybe but yeah certainly certainly probably their best year and it wasn't great. And I think, I'm trying to think what was out around it as well in other franchises. But yeah, I think this was this was where it was kind of, that wasn't so good. And then Ant-Man as well, don't forget, there was, I think by the time Ant-Man came out, we knew Joss Whedon had been really pissed off with Marvel. Now, what his current relationship, if he has one with Marvel is, I don't know. It might be like Jon Favreau's where it was like, okay well that didn't work out but you know we all get on fine or we're, we're quite happy to work together or it may be i never want anything to do with those people ever again who can possibly know at this stage one day these people will all write their sort of autobiographies and stuff and we'll find out or we'll at least get different views on it and i, I can't wait to to hear some of that stuff but of course not only had they the perception was that Marvel had fucked around with the final cut of Age of Ultron to the point that they dis- ended up sort of disfiguring the film. Not like Justice League or something. It's not a real hodgepodge, but there's a couple of bits that start and don't go anywhere, like the whole Thor vision thing. Uh, Thor's vision, not Thor and vision. And then, of course, we get to this film where Edgar Wright, who I think even if you didn't like his films, who doesn't like Edgar Wright? You know what I mean? He's He's kind of... He's a breath of fresh air, and his films have generally been entertaining. I mean, one of his best-liked films I don't like. I don't like Scott Pilgrim very much. I never did. I, we'll watch it again one day, but I, di- I didn't I'm sure we'll like cover his before. films, but yeah, yeah I, I, I'm
2: quite a good fan of Scott Pilgrim, but yeah, I, I think more no, I, I,
3: because of the stories. I loved it. I thought it was a really shite film, and one day we'll cover it, and I'll watch it again with a fresh pair of eyes. I thought it's it was well.
0: I can tell you, you're not alone. In <laughs> hatred for that film, so
3: yeah. Worry, well, but. I didn't when it came out though, everyone was like, Oh, I've got a new favorite film. Everyone jerked themselves silly over it, and I, I went to it's, see it. it, it and just, a lot of, like,
0: the I, well,
2: like, I don't
3: identify with a single person in the film though,
0: yeah.
3: That that kills a film for me. I mean, if I can't, you know, if I don't like any of the characters at all, and they're not meant to be like anti heroes and shit, then it kills it. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is. it's less about the quality of the individual films because Chris wasn't wildly kind to Baby Driver. I liked it more than he did. It's a bit like the Wachowskis, though I think he's better than the Wachowskis Mm -hmm. in in his hit rate anyway. But, like, I don't care what the end result is. Keep giving this man money. Keep letting him try because everything he produces is interesting. And when he talks about films, he's engaging. And, of course, Marvel had canned that to bring in the director of Down With Love, which is not a very good film, nor is The Breakup, nor is Yes Man. So there's a lot riding on this. And the other thing is they announced it was going to be part of Phase 2, which made no sense at the time. You know, you finish on the high of an Avengers film. What we've learned now, and we've learned again from them following an Avengers film last year with an Ant-Man film, is they are, as you say, palate cleansers. And I like them. I like them for that. They've got slightly smaller budgets, relatively, still about 130 billion, this film. But, you know, significantly less than the couple of films that came before it. It gave greater exposure to Paul Rudd, who I've always loved. It gave uh, Michael Peña a role that should have been like stiffer in American Pie, where you can't stand it because there's too much of it.
2: Uh, <laughs> but, but actually, it's not. he's hilarious.
3: It's great, and it's used sparingly. Um and it, but everything else about the film is kind of competent. Hmm. And that's not an insult. It, this is competent Marvel, and that's fine. Not everything needs to swing for the fences.
0: Yeah, you need a break for it, don't you? Sometimes. So. Yeah.
3: Not everything needs to be a blue beam pointing up at the sky. You know, you yeah. can tell slightly smaller stories if you want.
0: And, and to, I like that. And to answer your question, Dave, about the films at the time, you had uh, Mission Possible, Rogue Nation. Okay. Uh, of course, yeah. You had uh, Mad Max, Inside Out. I think they were like the, the Jurassic World, yeah. And you had uh, Spectre and Star Wars, Looming. Oh, S- oh, San Andreas as well. San Andreas.
3: Right, I remember that. Yeah, I saw all of those. Uh, I, think I was just in, movies,
2: but nothing. Well, yeah. was t-
3: no, no, but, superhero no, no superhero films.
2: superheroes.
3: Just the um, yeah, X Men Apocalypse, which was terrible, was the following year. That was um, awful. Batman, that Superman, was which was film. equally terrible, was the following year. And Doctor Strange was the following year as well. So I do think post-Civil War there were a few duds. But, yeah, OK. I
2: think perhaps by then we're probably suffering from fatigue.
3: But I, I think the, the turnaround of these films is so quick it doesn't last. Because it is, with Marvel, it's a bit like, well, next?
2: Exactly, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, for every different quality, there's been a real star vehicle as well. And you know, for every blip they might have had, um, we've got some genuine
3: gems. All right then. So but the problem is I don't know much about this film andor ants.
0: I'm surprised we made a made a podcast about it, <laughs> given how little well, we know, Dave. I do so little
3: <laughs> that several times I was thinking, I hope I'm getting away with this because <laughs> I'm this really clueless and a bit thick.
2: I thought I s seeing as you know, this is our amazing return, I thought no, I can't go on and do a show Minus fun facts. I thought, "Mm," rather than just do some fun facts about how amazing Paul Rudd is, I thought, no, I'll just do some ant facts.
0: Okay. (laughs) That's that's ants, folks.
2: (laughs) So don't get ants in your pants. And I hope this satisfies your anticipation. Next
3: week, look out for some facts about various civil wars next next week. (laughs) (laughs) And then what happened was Chubb's the first.
0: (laughs) We'll have civil facts for you folks. That's very civil
2: Facts about wars. I could do. Japanese civil war, British civil war, US civil war. Okay. Um... So yeah, it was ant facts. Lastminute.com. Um, this is from a range of sources. Um, so mainly like from deep
3: throat and stuff. <laughs> if people ringing you and saying like, "Don't name me in the article," but
2: but this is this is the information I'm going to give you. But Um. But mainly from the Natural History Museum. Um. There are more than ten thousand <laughs> um, known ant species in the world. Uh, fun fact number two, uh, estimates suggest there are 10 quadrillion ants alive at any one time. I reckon there's about, for every one person, there's like one million ants, which is a bit um, Fun fact number three, ants can carry more than 50 times their own weight, which I think is pretty impressive. Uh, fun fact number four, um, oh yeah, ants can communicate um, using using chemicals to alert each other um, to danger and food sources um but yeah and they're being used and also vibrations and there seem to be a psychic connection as well which is very strange and then fun fact number five well, i missed out a fact but never mind um ants don't have lungs and they don't have ears so they breathe spiracles um which distribute the oxygen around the body and they hear using vibrations um picked up by a, an organ located below the knee which i think is is quite interesting so yeah even though they don't have lungs and they can't hear obviously they can breathe and they're not deaf
0: that's science folks
2: I'm not an entomologist but I
0: know
2: You're what not I like. an <laughs> oh. as, as you know it's always quite interesting to learn about the animal kingdom um and also in the film you learn about all the different well not all the different breeds but various different types of ants that, that Hank and co employ which is quite interesting so that's so educational
3: that's fun folks
2: <laughs> don't get ants in your pants i can't think i don't have have any other puns i'm sorry
0: it's 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 okay
3: although i'm getting the post ready for social media and i've just written ant man is in the can (laughs) which is kind of which is poetry
2: really it It rhymes you're a poet and you don't know it and if you say so-and-so is in the can i always think oh in the shit i always think
3: i always think i always think of um that's for lamb food's european vacation when they're on the flight and the woman goes up to chevy chase on the plane and he orders a coke and she says do you want it in the can and he just looks around and he goes no no i'll have it here i'll
1: have it here yeah <laughs> <laughs> <The weird
3: final. laughs> so, yeah not for nothing but you can find me at the pasty kid 1976 on twitter
0: uh, you can find, well, you can find all the odd episodes, including all the, the Bond uh, series on uk.
2: And also, I hasten to add that you can also see Dave's amazing film reviews at setthetape.com.
3: Amazing might be overselling it
2: <laughs> And I hit them up definitely as a review site, it's definitely worth your time
3: Yeah, tape.com A fraction of it's me, I mean, there's people that could, that submit four or five things a week.
2: Well, you I, do the majority I... of it and, you know, when they always do the rankings, you're up uh... there
3: definitely. Well, films, yeah. Actually, when you think about film, film reviews, they don't get takers for everything anyway. Uh, and I review a film most weeks, so actually, there's a fa- fair bet if you look at like bigger films over the last few months, a good percentage is mine. But the the site's overall output, I'm a tiny fraction of it.
2: But I definitely check that site out. Um, yes, you can find us on Twitter at last. At expects to talk. Um, you can also find us on Facebook, expect expects to talk. If you'd like to, you can email us, expects to talk at gmail.com. If you're a Nigerian prince, we don't want your money.
3: Yes, we um, do. We just don't <laughs> want it via email because we don't believe you're st- who you are. Send As previously discussed, send us a carrier pigeon. Yes, <laughs>
2: double taking carrier pigeon, please.
3: A double taking one. If, if it's a, just a carrier pigeon carrying our checks for millions, We'll send it away if it doesn't look twice.
2: Like it's done a double take. <laughs> I know,
3: it's such a cue, isn't you it. Can...
2: <laughs> and also, You can also find us on the YouTube. You should just visit YouTube and type in, do you expect us to talk? will be on there. And also, you can find us on iTunes. If you give us a glowing five-star review, it helps us rank higher and attract more listeners. And you can also subscribe, rate and review us and recommend us to all your friends. They'll make you the
1: envy of
3: all your friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Try and make it come up naturally and organically in conversation. I'm just imagining this stilted conversation of you saying, have you ever listen to? Do you to listened to? to do you expect us to talk? Sometimes they, sell, they tell jokes about twats.
2: <laughs> I can recommend this really great podcast.
3: That's yeah, recently come back I from asking. many years away. I weren't asking. Why are you suddenly telling me this shit?
2: Oh, sorry.
3: Why are you apologising, Becca? This is the <laughs> role-playing the conversation. <laughs>
2: but no we have yeah. just to apologise again for being away but thank you so much for coming back to us I really appreciate it um, and yeah we are here well until next time but we are here for the long stay now taking you through Marvel and many cinematic adventures beyond
3: and beyond and beyond indeed and I'll bet is not prepared for what's coming what the next bit of the show Civil because... War no oh <gasps>
2: Because oh, no, it's the commentary.
3: I know. I mean,
2: I'm not prepared at all.
3: Yeah, the commentary, Becca. <laughs> it's almost like you've had other things on your mind.
2: I have had quite a few other things going on in the background, so apologies. Oh, that's,
3: just, that's just lazy. I think about the podcast at all times. <laughs> I mean, basically, if I had a girlfriend at the moment, the sex would be disappointing. A, because <laughs> I'm not very good, and B, because I'd be thinking of it. Because you been... won't be
2: there, because Hang you're on, in the cinema right. all the time.
3: <laughs> the sex would be poor because I'd be thinking of you two And our listeners
0: uh. <laughs> You'd be having sex thinking of dick and fart jokes
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Not your
2: most ideal turn on But no apologies listeners um, I'm a bit disorganised I've had quite a lot going on um, In the private life Which I won't share with you here But anyway, please bear with us.
3: They've gathered that by the fact they've all been listening to, like, how did this get made for the last eight weeks?
2: Well, exactly, literally.
3: Well, actually, we might not go back to them, because this is better.
2: (laughs) Well, hopefully we can recoup our losses.
3: Nah, we haven't lost anyone. Yes,
2: we shall return with a commentary of my choosing.
3: Okay. Do you know what you're going to choose, Becca? Yeah, I do now. (laughs) You do? Well, actually, that's some quick thinking. I think you knew already, actually. So anyway, see us out, Becca. What's next?
2: Uh, Yes, so... Thank you for listening Um, and do expect this talk will return with a commentary on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1.